O'Hara is freaking awesome. This is Tall Can Audio. Episode 1068 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Matt Robinson coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. If you're at all like me and you can't help but associate different players, different things with uh, episode numbers, I think 1068. I think of a man with a legendary haircut himself, Mr. Yarmir Yager. But our guest today has also had his hair complimented on uh, on national television. Kyle Bukoskis is here. How's it going today, man? I'm great. That intro music slaps, man. That gets you right into the mood. This is uh, I'm ready to go. Happy to be on with you. Um, appreciate you coming by, and uh, we will say right up front because uh, we'd been teasing it there for for a couple weeks that uh, it's just you and me today. Yes, uh, we thought uh, Claire. Third member. Yeah, yeah, we thought Claire Hannah was going to be here, uh, but uh, they came uh, and sent her on as an assignment to uh, a TSN did to to cover the uh, ongoing. Canada soccer situation in uh, down in Orlando. Right. I'm not sure what the subject would have had to have been, what the story would have had to have been for Claire to go, nah, not feeling Orlando <laughs> in February. Yes. <laughs> like, As someone who was just down in Fort Lauderdale for All-Star at the end of January, Matt, um, it's it's a hard one to to say to no pass to. up, yeah. Um, but as a, just a great reminder of of how the business works at times, right? Uh, sometimes last minute, a, a story like that breaks with with Canada soccer and the women's national team, and yeah. uh, for Claire, it's all of a sudden things adjust and and off you go. You're on the road again. Absolutely. So uh, we're on social media at Tall Can Audio. You can give us a follow there on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you are. You can hit us up and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. Um, look, there's a bunch of things. I'd like to ask you about that we're going to talk about here today, but we always start in the same place and it's rude of me to go to any other subject before we get into the beer that we're having today because it's just sitting in front of us at this point, taunting us. So what'd you choose there today, my man? Well, here we go. So I, I've, you know, a couple years ago for my birthday, my fiance got us a little uh, brewery tour and one of the stops on that tour was Nita Brewery. The brew donkey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just did one in Nita. November, just for the first time. Really? All right. Yeah. So we had a great time, and one of the stops was Nita Beer. Yeah. And I was so blown away by how creative they get with some of the different stuff they come up with. And so I was saying to you before we came on here, the Cockadoodle Brew, the Coffee Blonde yes. Ale. I haven't tried that before. I've I've tried a lot of their stuff over the years. This one is is a new one for me because normally when you hear coffee, you think stout. Mm-hmm. So hundred percent. Seeing Blonde Ale coming after it i'm going i, I gotta give this a whirl <laughs> um yeah listeners to uh to the podcast here will know that uh yeah that probably happy you chose that one uh we we know andy nito over at the nita beer company quite well he's in yeah. here a couple times a year uh he's always been a big supporter of our show and and vice versa so big mountain uh, biker oh yeah and and he's he's talked about that a couple times on the show he, he calls it the beer tax right like <laughs> If I'm going to be drinking this much, I'm going to have to do something to <laughs> yes. counterbalance that yes. a little bit, right? That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'm out at the uh, the Whitewater Brewing Company. Oh, good. Uh, uh, which I haven't had in a while, and um, but they always make some great stuff. Uh, their peanut butter stout, in particular, is fantastic. Uh, what do they call it? The peanut butter shake. It's, yes. Uh, yes. So good. Oh my gosh. So this one though uh, jumped out at me. And it is called uh, the Hazel Amour. Oh, my. I know, right? And I, I guess we should point out, it's 
day after Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, it is um, a hazelnut stout, 4.2%. And they say in the description that it's like a collaboration with Beaver Tails. Right. And they've had another one with Beaver Tails in the past too. The the Killaloo Sunrise, I think it was called. Okay. Anyway. Not as familiar with that one. Okay. So I like that. You, you know your stuff here. We're going to talk about the beer scene here in a second. Great. Um, I didn't know, and I, I, I know you're kind of... I believe you're in the same boat. I didn't grow up in Ottawa. No. I I came here afterwards. I'm certainly familiar with Beaver Tales, right? I understand. But I didn't didn't know that there was just like a, you could just collaborate with Beaver Tales, right? Like that that was the name of a company or the people. I should have known. Like it's it's pretty obvious. But uh, yeah, I've... You thought it was just like Nanaimo bar, like anyone can make a Nanaimo bar? Absolutely. That's what I thought. Yes. Is that, you know, beaver tails is something that the nation's capital is known for and, you know, people make beaver tails here. All right. No, no. It's a thing. You have to collaborate with the beaver tails. So, um, like the Ohio state, the beaver tail. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So that's what I'm going with here. I I love a stout. I'm a dark beer guy, especially in the winter, even if winter looks like spring right now. I don't know what that's all about. Um, but, uh, yeah, a little sweetness in there, a little hazelnut, something like that. I'm, f- I'm really interested in trying that out. So let's all crack right. them open. Time man. to go. Yeah. All right. Oh, you're good at this, man. You're good at this. You wouldn't believe how many guests come in, sit down before we even fire the mics up. Crack. Snap it over. And you're like, oh, oh. oh, the sound is just. All right. Good. I've done cheers, this. my friend. As we've talked about this. Cheers. Yep. A thousand and sixty-eight times I've, I've saved some can opening sound effects. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. if we have to, you superimpose them back in <laughs> after the fact, you do what you got to do. Uh, you go, maybe somebody has to go back out and crack open a Pepsi on the microphone, whatever has to happen after the fact. That's but a pro's pro right there, Matt. I appreciate you coming in, man. Honestly, oh, man. On first pull, what do you think of that? That's uh wow. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Again, the coffee hits you right away, but it's like so smooth going down. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, the heaviness of what a stout would be, of course, but you still get that rich kind of coffee, toffee flavor. That is a great beer. I love uh, that beer. I've had it so many times. You're you're so that? right to point out that the coffee thing is always associated with a stout. And right. so when someone's like, here's a coffee blonde, oh, I got to I gotta see what that's all about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because, that's a great beer. And I, 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 over the years, I will say I've, I've grown more accustomed to, to the stouts, like the, the darker beers, but I still feel like, man, like it's, it's like a meal in itself yep. so often, right? Yep. Um, like it's even hard to have one with dinner. It's almost too much. <laughs> um, so to see something here a little bit lighter, a little easier going down, still 5% though. Mm-hmm. Um, what a terrific alternative. It's perfect. Yeah. This one, uh, our listeners have heard me say a thousand times, if you're going to say hazelnut in the name of your beer. Bring it. I don't want hints of, I want you to blast me with whatever you say is in this beer, right? What whatever an excellent pepper. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing that. This yeah. is a hazelnut stout. This is terrific on uh, the first pull or two here. As soon as you crack it open, I'm kind of getting the the aroma, right? The Not the amour, the aroma. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, right. Um, and great art, it looks like, too, on the can. Yeah, yeah, no. Which is sure. a big thing. A lot of people, yeah, like that, that'll make or break the... Uh, the beer for a lot of people, right, is is what's on it. What uh, what kind of art did you go with? And so uh, Whitewater always does yes, really do. nice stuff. Totally. Because when you're standing there in the LCBO, standing in the big single aisle of the local Ontario craft, for me, honestly, if I'm looking for something new, it's like, what's something that catches my eye just in terms of how the label looks? Mm-hmm. And Whitewater often 
does they well do. in that. They absolutely do. So uh, want to let the good listener know on Friday morning, our pal AJ Jackubeck is going to be in here and uh, we will talk a little about the uh, the debacle going on right now with the Canadian soccer uh, mm. situation. And of course, you won't a- have any thoughts on that. No, <laughs> AJ is an easy interview. It's like two, three questions. He'll carry the rest. He's, right. uh, <laughs> he, he likes to talk. And it works because he knows his stuff. He's also just back from Qatar. He was there for the World Cup. And mm-hmm. I I am fascinated by that, right? We talked about it before he left. I'm sure you just don't jump on bestwestern.com and, and book yourself a room and then and grab some World Cup. I'm fascinated to hear what that trip was all about. So he will be here on Friday. We'll have lots to talk about with AJ. We're also right in the middle of uh, CFL free agency. So uh, he'll have lots to cover on that. And next Wednesday morning, Arden Zwelling from uh, from Sportsnet will be here. We got oh great, lots of Blue Jays to talk about. Right, we are pitchers and catchers are reporting. Spring training is up and running, uh, and Arden's been on the show a bunch of times before, and a good friend of the show. And we touched base, and we were sort of talking about you know at what point in spring training would be good for you. He was like, "You saw, I just got promoted. Right, <laughs> he's going to be on the uh, on TV a lot more often now." Yeah, so. He wasn't sure he was going to have a whole lot of time for me during spring training. And I get that, right? Kind of sure. like Claire, right? Like, yeah, he's got the stuff going on. I got stuff to do. Right. So Wonderful. he'll be on next week and uh, okay. we'll talk about everything that uh, that the Blue Jays did over the off season and, and what the outlook looks like for uh, for the Jays this year. It's going to be, uh, I don't know, we got a good couple episodes coming up. You included, man. I Again, I thank you for coming in. The last thing I'll mention here before we get off and running is... Um, I've said a few times on the show now, and uh, the link is in the show notes, good friend of the show, Steve Bunda. His mother has been through hell with, uh, lost her house to a fire. And then, uh, Kyle, you probably heard last week about that Highbridge construction closed down and screwed over a whole whack of customers. She was one of those. Isn't that something? And so this woman has been through absolute hell. And so... Uh, we talked on the last show about a GoFundMe that had been set up for her, and now... If that's not your scene, uh, the good people at the Kitchissippi Brewing Company are donating for the rest of this week, 50 cents for every can uh, towards Bonnie Bunda and, and what she's gone through trying to uh, trying to help her get back on her feet, trying to get her, you know, back up. She's it's been a it's been a wild ride for her. So if you're not into the GoFundMe thing, hit up Kitchissippi before the end of the week, make an order of any size they're donating to uh, to her as well. We'll put uh, a link to their beer. Uh, in the show notes and at tallcanaudio.com as well, because, uh, yeah, it's been a rough go. So, look, there's a few different places we could start, man, and um, none of them need to be as, as big of a bummer as that just was, but uh, I wanted to put it out there. No, it's good for you and terrific by Kitchissippi. Uh, 100%. To them. Yeah, for sure. Um, typically, with a new guest, I'd like to start with your background and things like but before we do, and I know you're probably on top of this. You're a reporter. You're around the league. You're around the team. You know what's up. But this is new to me. I just saw this an hour or so before you arrived. Uh, the Maple Leafs at their uh, MLSE Foundation Gala on Monday night. There was a romantic reading of uh, the notebook. Have you seen the notebook, Kyle? Yes. It's been a while, but yes. <laughs> okay. It's um, not that simple. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. Okay, this guy, you've seen it. You're mm. the perfect guy to help me judge what happened. Have you already, do you know where I'm going? Have you? You know uh, what? I saw some pictures that I was kind of curious about, but I, I, I'll i be honest, I've been kind of living in my own little bubble here today, so bring me up to speed. Okay, so Doug Gilmore on his Instagram 
has posted a video of John Tavares and Mitch Marner doing a, a reading from the notebook together. And, like uh, a table read? Yeah. Wow. I think, I think we should probably let the good listener hear okay. what that sounded like. But they're also very irresponsible. I have a fiance <laughs> waiting for me at the hotel who's going to be crushed when he finds out what I did. So you make love to me. <laughs> was that your plan? Was that a test I didn't pass? I made a promise to a man. He gave me a ring and I gave him my word. Well, your word's pretty shot to hell now. <laughs> so the thing, that I, the thing that I love about that video is that it, it, it comes from Doug Gilmore, but that laugh at the very end, that's Wendell Clark's laugh. There's no uh, question in my mind. Right. He's the one sitting. <laughs> I haven't seen The Notebook. I've, oh, believe okay. me, I've been, I've been dragged to enough, you know, rom-coms and, and shit like that. That's not one of them. Do you recognize that scene? I, I, I Honestly, as I was listening, I'm trying to think about when that would have. Yeah. So no, as I said, I've seen it. It's been a while yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. so it's not fresh and crisp in my mind. <laughs> okay. But I kind of get the gist of what's going on there. Sure. And apparently there was a bunch of stuff going on in, in this vein. I, I saw one photo, I believe, that was uh, Michael Bunting and Mark Giordano with your colleague, Christine Simpson, mm-hmm. uh, doing Titanic. Oh, really? Oh and I, God. there's no video. I haven't found audio of it yet, so I don't know exactly what the scene was supposed to be. But like you could see, like you could maybe Mark Giordano is like the suave asshole, and Christine is is Rose. Maybe Michael Bunting is Jack Dawson. Like, is that how that? Because I, I, see, I could see Michael Bunting playing a pretty good asshole too, right? Like, <laughs> right. watching him. But Geo's. The more suave of the two, probably, right? Like, if, if someone's got to play the... I don't even remember his name now. The rich guy that Rose got on the boat with uh, t- from Titanic. I, right. I can't remember. And that's over my head, too. All right. I, I, I'm with you there as well. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, because the, the, the word is on bunting, right? Because sometimes he can get himself so amped up in games. <laughs> like, he can't even formulate words yeah. about trying to chirp other guys. <laughs> like, he just gets so wound up. And I can appreciate that. Like, I feel I would be in that same spot, too. Sure. Um, when the emotions get really high. So I feel they were properly situated for those roles. <laughs> and I, I'm a, and even that, like, I'm just guessing, right? So, mm. um, but I feel like if I was the one casting the Leafs for that performance, and those were my two guys, that's how I would set that up. Bunting is, is Jack Dawson and the right. one who's getting let fall off the door. <laughs> right, right. And I'll just say, too, just listening to that video clip of John yeah. Tavares and Mitch Marner, like, that that's that's really cool And because, I mean, Mitch has been, like, we saw him down at the All-Star. He did the bit with Miami Vice. Like, he's very yes. much, like, he loves to have fun, and, and he's very open about that, whether it's on social, how you see him on the ice. Um, but Tavares, as you know, is the exact yeah. opposite. And certainly, you know, in, in our dealings with him as, as, as media there covering the team, um, he has an innate wonderful ability of saying a lot but saying nothing (laughs) and it's always that same tone um, just because of how he's wired about you know very serious and consistently focused on what's ahead of him so to see him kind of let loose a bit and have fun like that in front of a crowd like that's that's awesome I'm so glad you brought that up because that was with the next point I was gonna like this there's nothing about this from Mitch's side of it that surprises me that guy will do 
he's willing to goof around, have a good time, right. and, and whatever. Remember Jake, years ago, him and Austin doing the Nutcracker. That was right? hilarious, sure. right? And, and they yeah. and they gave their time to go and do that. And and I guess it's a it's a thing in Toronto that lots of celebrities from different walks of life mm-hmm. go and do that, and they were willing to, and that was awesome. I don't know. We kind of get this view sometimes of John Tavares as being like this hockey robot that just kind of shows up, does his job, and and goes home. And I'm sure part of that is legit. He's a pro. He's he's just you know one of those guys. Yeah. But he, you can hear it in this. He's he's giving her right. He's trying his best. To, you can hear him kind of, you know, his voice. I'm going to play it one more time. We'll just listen just to John Tavares. He's playing. They're also very irresponsible. I have a fiance <laughs> waiting for me at the hotel. Who's going to be crushed when he finds out what I did? So you make love to me. <laughs> Was that your plan? Was that a test I didn't pass? I made a promise to a man. He gave me a ring, and I gave him my word. Well, your word's pretty shot to hell now. <laughs> that's more like that. That's John Great. Tavares cranked right up, right? Like that's, yeah. and I love that. He's he's out there giving her. This is for for charity. It's a gala. Everybody's just having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I'll tell you where I saw this uh, just before you arrived. Mark Masters had tweeted it out, and he had asked. Uh, Asked John Tavares about this today, and, and apparently JT asked him, like, has it gone public? Oh, yeah. Like he wasn't. <laughs> he didn't know quite yet. Right. Yeah, it's, it's just, out there. And yes. And so I'm sure part of that, there's probably a thinking that it's just, you know, the those sure. in the room. Um, but I think that's it's great because, you know, again, like there's certainly the, the persona of him publicly and just a very driven, focused, professional athlete that's dealing with everyday constant pressures of being the captain of the right. Toronto Maple Leafs. But you know when, I mean, he's got two young kids at home. He's got, a, you know, a wife, of course. He's got family. Like, and Couple behind the scenes, the you know, there's, there, you know, he's not like that all the time. No. Right? Like, so, um, and so many teammates, past, present, uh, speak so highly of being around him. Um, so, you know, there's personality there. And it was just neat to kind of see a little snippet of that. Yeah. Do you think, to it. yeah, in, in hindsight, um, I wonder what your your take is. I guess it was going into that 1920 season when they named him captain. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's been chatter or talk that maybe it was going to be Matthews, but he had the run in there. I don't know what you'd call it. Harassment. Right. It was, it was short of assault. Serious. Whatever yeah, it, was. it was. Yeah, but not good. It was a bad look on Matthews. Mm-hmm. Do you think they were going to go with him or was it always Tavares? And in hindsight, do you think it, it's... It's boxed them in. I, I don't think Tavares has done anything since being named captain to suggest that that was a bad idea. And I it, I certainly don't think, you know, results or, you know, playoffs or anything like that would have gone differently, to, you know, had they put the C on Matthews. But do you think the plan was Matthews? And do you think, in hindsight, should they have just done it? Do they want to make a move now? And is that awkward? We've seen lots of, not lots, we've seen a few teams take the C off someone to give it to someone else when that guy still is in the room. What do you think of that whole? Uh... Yeah, I, I I had heard that it was it was going, like there was the thought that, that Austin would become the next captain and then, you know, things things changed there. But I, I don't know if you can sit here and, and say they, they have any regrets no. or if things would have gone any differently. Um, I, I had, I had heard as well, um, you know, the first, the first year, uh, for John, it was certainly an, an adjustment, right? I mean, one thing being 
captain on, on Long Island sure. um, and another thing to be in, in your hometown in Toronto and, and all the expectation and, and just what, what comes with, with being in a, a market like that and just where the team is at as a franchise about mm-hmm. trying to push through and they're still where they were in terms of what they've got out of a season from Matthew's rookie year, right? It's yeah. been the one and done uh, ever since. So I, I think there has been some growth that's that's come from from John, my understanding. Um, but but that's that's all part of it. And 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 just hearing about how Austin Matthews operates, like I, I don't think how he carries himself is any different whether he's the captain right. or or not. Like I think the players in the room kind of know who the natural leaders are, and just in um, whether you read about it. You hear every now and then being around the team about um, how he interacts with his teammates, whether it's a Mitch Marner or a Zach Aston Reese or a Pontus Holmberg. Like it just seems like he is a guy that. Um, well, whatever, today, whatever Josh you're... Cloak had something in the Athletic talking about him being in touch pretty regularly with uh, with Matthew Nyes. Right? Well, there you uh, go. Yeah, like uh, so up and down the organization. Yeah, sounds like Matthews isn't shy even without the C about. Being yes. involved, right? it seems like, and over the years, he's found his voice in the locker room. Um, like he, I think, part of him is very much just uh, head down and and worry about being ready each night, um, and and letting his his play do a lot of the talking. But I I think he's he's from what I've gathered, uh, his his voice has has started to become more of a presence in the room, mm-hmm. which is is neat. Like he's he's been in the league for a while now. He's regarded yeah. as one of the top players in, in the entire NHL. Um, certainly, he has no shortage of of confidence and belief in who he is as a player. He's a Hart Trophy winner. Yeah, he's won the Rocket a couple of times now. Um, like he he should she, he should feel comfortable in in being that. And it seems like he's he's taken that to another level. And and just again, doesn't matter what your role is within the team. I think um, he's gone about things to make everyone know that they're valued and what they bring. And so I don't think you necessarily, as I say, need to have the C on your chest to go do that. I think that's just naturally his his instinct as as a person and, and as a teammate. And, you know, John continues to do uh, and go about things how, how he does. And um, again, like how that's all, to go back to your earlier point, I don't think that's affected where they're at right now. No. Um, there's, there's other issues... Or other hurdles at play, I think that, that's that's ultimately going to decide whether they get past the first round finally, um, or if the script is just going to keep rewriting itself. <sighs> I'm kind of sick of that script. <laughs> I look around the room here, see some yeah, of the photos. Yeah, and, yeah, I can see it. It's see a it's a Leaf Island in uh, in yeah. Sens Land here in the middle of uh, of Ottawa, but uh, I keep my head down. I just I do what I got to do. Right. That's, uh, so, um, look, why don't we talk a little bit? You know, off the top here about where your uh, your enjoyment of, of craft beer comes from. Because a, a lot of people, myself included, like I grew up stealing Molson Canadians from my dad's beer fridge. <laughs> and that was that was my introduction to beer. And at, at the beginning, you're drinking it to do a job. I wasn't really enjoying it, right? You're trying to get to right. a place on a, on a Saturday. But it eventually grows out into, I started honestly more with imports before craft beer. And, and yeah. just had some buddies that introduced me to, to that scene. And then we started this show way back in, in 2015 and it was very much at the very beginning of this explosion of craft beer, uh, across Ontario. Anyway, I know the U S was a little ahead of us. Certain parts of Canada were ahead of us a bit, but the growth of craft beer in just a complete stroke of luck coincided with, uh, the growth of, of our podcast. And so I've tried 
I couldn't even tell you. Um, if we have a beer on every show, I guess I would say I've tried 1,068 different beers over the course of the, uh, the podcast. So you've never doubled up? It's been something. Yeah, almost every show wow. actually is a double up. Good for <laughs> so, you. Yeah. Um, but the second beer is often a repeat. You don't worry quite as much about, uh, about trying something new. It's just something to, to coast home on. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you, in your, you know, over the course of your life, when do you decide or find yourself getting into the, the craft scene? And, and when you do, like what's your, what's your lean? What do you look for in a beer? I, I yeah, it probably started, ah, uh, it wasn't until I moved out to Ottawa when I got, I moved, first moved here in, in 2014. Hmm. Um, but even then it wasn't kind of until towards the end. Um, and I, I just, I think again, it, it's a different setup in terms of the liquor store, I guess it's, it has changed as again, craft beer across the country is, has exploded, but mm-hmm. at least for me growing up, when I first became of age growing up in BC, um, there wasn't really the same going into a liquor store, the selection of like no. local beer and then coming out here and again, going in the LCBO and seeing just all the single cans. And I thought, oh, like what a great kind of setup. You can just pick and choose. You don't have to commit to a six pack mm-hmm. or a 12 pack. Um, and I just, again, I, I love the look of the labels and just the whole idea of, of supporting local interested me and just seeing how different places went about it. And then it, it almost, it really started to take off in terms of an interest when you go on like a brewery tour and you actually yeah. see, you know, how, how the pie is, is baked. Um, you know, last year that we, we did a, a night like Ian Mendez was part of it, uh, out at, uh, the Ashton brew pub. Mm. And, uh, so Lever Sage, I don't know if he still does, but at the time was living like just down from, he sure uh, does. He yeah. still does. Right. He's and right so and the, yeah. the guy that runs the, the brewery there is, is his landlord. And, yeah. um, so, he, you know, getting, and we we're lucky there cause, cause Lee was there that night and getting a tour about how they go about things. I don't know. It was just really, really interesting to me about how they, you know, and just in like a small, tiny little warehouse, um, mm-hmm. cranking out beer that's being shipped off to every which way. Um, that to me is, is just really neat. The whole entrepreneurial side of it. Yeah, there's always a little story or yeah. something behind the brewery or behind this pint or. And how creative they get. Like yeah. they're not afraid to try different things and, and, you know, nobody's going to bat a thousand, but, but at least they're, they're trying to see and, and just, you can really, um, get into certain specific flavors of what kind of beer that you like. And, yeah. uh, I just, I, I really, I really enjoy that, uh, that ability to kind of go, okay, all right. You know, it's, it's springtime again. What's the, what's coming out this summer? What are the new things to try? That's, it's fun for me. Like I, I don't, we'll say I don't drink a ton, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, it, it, every now and then to pick up a couple of different things from, from local spots is, is neat to just try things out. Yeah. It, it you kind of get to browse a little, right? It, mm-hmm. it becomes a hobby as much as, as anything else. And I have people say that to me all the time. Like once you find one that you love, the next time you go back, why don't you just grab 12? You're like, well, cause the next one might be better, right? Like, right. It's a bit yes. of a search. It's yeah, a bit of a... <laughs> exactly. It's, I mean, think about how the whole music scene is yes. gone now, right? Like you can pick individual songs that you want to listen to, build out your own set list yep. on whatever streaming service you use. Um, it's similar now with, with your, your beer choices. You're, you have so much more control over what you want to consume. And again, it's, so it's not so much of a, of choy, a chore of just pounding six or whatever <laughs> required to get you feeling good on a Saturday yeah, yeah. night and pulling on the fun rope. Uh, you can have, be a little more selective. <laughs> uh, what are you looking for? What's your style? Do you, if you have one or a, a favorite brewery here in Ottawa or. I, I really, certainly in the summertime, I, I really love the, the sours. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like, small pony barrel works Ooh, yeah, um yeah. i find they're like the gold standard like mm-hmm. they cuz they like barrel age their their beer and they specify or yeah their specialty is 
is sours. Um, yeah. So that's like the Cadillac of, of sour beer for me. <laughs> but I love doing the drive up every now and then to Cobden, sitting on the patio, having a few and, and taking some home with you. I you know, mentioned my appreciation for Nita. I went to, to Overflow yep. Brewing once um, to pop in and um, do something with Faces Magazine. And stuck around and got to meet the the owners there, and um, you know a really neat setup and and some great flavors that they got going out there. Um, there's you know and again even going out to to Ashton Pub like there's something mm-hmm. about just being in that tiny little hamlet, and you know walking in like the winter time the snowmobiles are parked on the side of yeah. guys that that came in guys and and gals that came in on the snowmobiles for for a drink. Um, just that whole setup is just it's uh, it speaks to me for well, Calabogie's got that vibe a bit too. Sure, you can roll in on a four wheeler in the fall or yeah snowmobiles and just you know take it to go but <laughs> right <laughs> yeah right so i, I really love the the sours in, in the summer and even in the winter i'll find myself having one uh here and there so that's probably the the type that that interests me the the most i'm trying to get into the ipas that's yeah. when a bit of a slower burn that new england ipas yeah. are like a nice kind of bridge yeah i find like whitewater does a really good new england ipa to kind of introduce you to that that side of things but um that was that was the last one for me as well, and it it was okay. never that I didn't enjoy it, but it was I enjoyed it maybe the least. Yeah, like give right. me a porter, give me a stew, give me a brown, like and so you can see, and you're working your way down an amber, mm-hmm. a red. Uh, all yes. right, I'll take an IP. Yes, <laughs> but as we've gone along, and like you said, done enough of these, my appreciation for it is has grown and uh, yeah, yeah palate changes 100 percent, and then I, even like in the winter time the dark lagers i do you yeah. know if i can find one again there's still that crisp level but yeah. it's not super heavy that it's like again a second dinner that was maybe the bridge for me right was the the black ipas sometimes oh, there's a little yeah. mixer like all right I, I see what you're going for i can i can join you here i'll, I'll try this and, and see where it goes right um as you're working your way into the the darker stuff I, i've all long maintained uh my friends over at the vimy brewing company like okay the, the best stout in ottawa Really? Is, uh, nothing crazy. It's not over the top with, with the hazelnut here, which I'm enjoying quite a bit, I'll, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. um, no peppermint this, no whatever. It's just a straight up stout. It's delicious. And, All right. Uh, That's good to know. At Vimy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before the, uh, I don't know, if the winter isn't over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Catch it while, uh, while we're doing that. Why don't we talk a little about your, uh, your background? Okay. And you mentioned coming up and, and growing up in, in BC. Mm-hmm. How do you... How do you find yourself as a kid in BC to being uh, on Hockey Night in Canada based out of Ottawa? What's your journey look like? Oh, well, it was, it was a long one, but, but ended up, you know, happening Was it a long quicker. one? Because you arrived pretty quick, it felt like. like yeah, I guess, I guess in terms of the actual distance traveled, but as I say, it happened, you know, much quicker than I would have ever imagined or expected. Um, yeah, I, I, like I, I grew up in the era where, so for us out West, you know, Don Taylor on, on sports yeah, okay. Yeah. You, okay. Um, like he was on across the country in the mornings on Sportsnet. I seem to recall like he right. would do. Yeah. No, right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and there was a time there again where like the, the highlight shows were much more regional based because yes. yeah. they had still the studio in Vancouver. Yep. So every night on actually, what was called the S-Pack. Did Don Taylor not do color one year on the NHL video games. He did I a think. couple of years. Yeah. yeah. It was him and Jim Houston. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, it was so Jim I definitely Houston remember Don Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, okay. yeah. And that was back when it was very like the arcade yeah, style 100%. play, but it was like perfect. Like <laughs> yeah. some of the, like, and it was all, well, you know, you play for, you know, um, once you started playing for a few months, of course, the lines started repeating themselves. Yeah. It was a much different time in terms of how many different lines that were pre-put into the show by the commentators, yeah. but some of them, the, yeah. Well, we used to laugh. I remember the very first one that came out and we're way off track, but that yeah. happens on the show a lot. Yeah. Um, the first one that ever came out with commentary, I believe was NHL 98 on the PC and okay. Jim Houston. It was just him by himself and you could get it to glitch out now and then, right? Like it, it was just behind the play. Yes. And so something strange would happen where it would be like, um, Carolina is going for a line change, but the door is closed by Curtis Joseph. Like, <laughs> That's just rude, right? Like let them change. <laughs> right. Right. Don't make them crawl over the door. Right. And it would just yeah. be pre-programmed, but slightly behind. And you're like, all right. <laughs> yes. But I loved it, right? It was this innovative thing. And, but yeah, you'd work hard to see if you could make it glitch. Like, that. Oh my God. That's so good. I know yeah. some of the lines, you know, in, in the Don Taylor era, they were so cheesy, but it was yeah. so funny. It'd be like, you know, the score is now 10. And Jim would be like, you mean one nothing. And he's like, oh yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It yeah. was a, almost a... I don't want to say rip off, but like it, they were going for that NBA jam kind of yeah. like fun side of it, arcade side of it. That was anyway. Right. That, yes. I know Don Taylor, I guess is the. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so I like, I, I grew up watching him on, on, on television. And of course there was the connection to the video game side and, and Jane Dan on, on TSN. Yeah. So like, I mean, those were the, the three that, um, I mean, I grew up playing hockey and, uh, loved being around sports and, and so waking up every morning before school and having, um, one of those mm-hmm. or multiple on the, the TV getting ready, you know, there was just that sense of like, that just seemed like the most fun. They just had such a great time. It seemed like there was just the energy that they brought, the sense of humor. Cause also there was a time, uh, growing up where I wanted to be like an actor like I love doing drama class in school. Okay. Jim Carrey was so like you were the right person to critique John Tavares there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, all my backgrounds in uh yeah, grade 11 acting. Yeah. Um it was uh and so so that I think just in terms of especially more so on the on the Jay and Dan side and some of the little bits they would do like yeah. that was like I thought that looked it was so cool. I was I was so amused by the stuff they would come up with and and even Don Taylor too. So we used to have like Gary Volk used to be the analyst that would come in not after Canucks games. And so like kind of at the bottom hour of the show, they would, you know, re- replay the the highlights and then he would come on afterwards and they would go through. And so the segment would end and it would go to a VO of like the next highlight pack. And he would always, you know, think, create, create some sort of object that Gary Volk had left behind on the, on the, on the desk. Like he'd be like in the middle of like predators blues highlights he'd be like oh, gary gary you left your teenage mutant ninja turtles lunchbox there gary yeah don't forget to grab that on the way out and just little thing and and a little don taylorisms the, yeah. yeah hi and the uh like it was it was so so good um so that's kind a of where less it started of a straight laced thing a little more fun with it it's yeah sports. exactly you should be having a fun. Yeah, yeah yeah and it was just again a different time where if you wanted to know again what you know anaheim san jose did that night like you had to tune into the the local highlight show at, at the end of the night like there was no just turning on your phone or going to YouTube and seeing what was going on. I um, believe a young Kyle was very interested in what Anaheim was doing that. Night. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, I guess that's why I brought him up. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that's kind of where where it started. And uh, you know, and then I started. Uh, I, I interned at uh, the local FM station through high school. Like it, it just launched kind of midway through my grade ten year. And the guy that did uh, the afternoon show. 
uh, from two to six a guy by the name of Warren Andrews. He was, you know, the longtime play by play voice of our like local junior B team. Mm. Um, so they used to do the games for, you know, the local channel 10 station. And like, so the, the Friday nights were always our home games for the storm. And, uh, and so they would with one camera, the guy shooting the game, one camera at center ice at the top of the stands. And he would stand next to him with a microphone and, and call the game. And so they would record it on Friday, and then Sunday afternoon, that's when the game would air on, on our local <laughs> TV station. So that's how I knew him um, from that. And so anyway, I, I reached out to him, I think through Facebook at the time, and, and asked about, you know, but just I was had an interest in broadcasting, and is there any chance I could just come into the station and just shadow you and, and see how uh, it, a day in the life looks? And, and thankfully, he said yes, and that kind of parlayed into, again, more of an internship type role at the station and learning how radio worked and how to upload um, music logs into our system right. and how to do voiceovers and all that stuff and, and getting to fill in. You know, he took would take vacation in the summer, so I would fill in and, and do like the little um, like sports cast that would run in this the afternoon. you in high school? I was still, yeah, yeah, I was still in high school. Okay. This is like, you know, grade 10, grade 11, getting mm-hmm. a chance to do that board hopping when people were, you know, on remote somewhere, yeah. I would kind of uh, hold down the fort at, at the station. So that got me, you know, just a taste of what the industry looked like on the radio side. And so, you know, I applied to, I applied to both Ryerson and, uh, and Sate in Calgary and uh, I, Ryerson didn't let me in. Um, I got rejected there. And I remember thinking like, holy man, like, like, yeah. And I, and I remember everyone said like, you got to, you know, get into Ryerson. That's, that's the best place for you to go. And, and so I got rejected there and I thought, man, oh man. And I initially got rejected at Sate too in Calgary. I'm oh, like, no. holy smokes, like my career is over before it's even started. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I had never really thought about anything else that interested me to go pursue after high school. Um, but it turns out on, on the Sate side of things, um, my application package just it got lost in the mail somewhere. Like they never received it. Oh, okay. So they said, we still have some spots open. So like, please resubmit your, your application. And, and I did and, and, and was fortunate enough. They, they accepted me then. Um, so that's, so is that a radio program or it was a broad, a... it was called broadcast news. Okay. So it was radio, it was television, sure. a little bit of everything, yeah. you know, news, weather, sports, right. Um, you know, how to, how to edit stuff on audio, how to edit stuff on video, how to shoot your own uh, footage for television. Uh, so it was great. Like our second, it was a two-year program. Our second year, we effectively ran our own newsroom. Like we had a campus radio station that yep. the radio students ran, um, and we provided the news, sports, and weather content for that station um, from 6 a.m. till I think the last, I think the, the afternoon show ended at six there. Right. Um, so from six till six, like we were every hour, if you were desking that week. Yeah. It must be a bit of a formula sort of thing. Like we did the same thing in Belleville. This is yeah. uh, Loyalist College. Okay. And there was an FM station that reached across most of the big city of Belleville. Yeah. Um, it was the same thing. We DJed and we whatever, but there yeah. was a broadcast journalism program that would come in, do the news updates, do the weather updates, do the sports updates. Right. All the way throughout the day, right? And Yeah. And they thought they were better than us. Right. Right. And they, and they were. Ro- results now have panned it. <laughs> For the most part, they've done better. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I, well, you know what? It's funny. I, yeah. I, so I think the, the, how I thought of myself in school there, like I cringe at now. Like I remember thinking like, man, like I'm, I'm really good at this. Like, I'm really good. Um, and, Don't and I Ryerson. just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Take that. Rand. Um, and I, and I, I look back now, I'm like, you idiot. Like you didn't know anything. Um, 
but it was just it was it was such a fun two years. I was just you know I was lucky that it was a great program. I, I made you know some friends for life from that program. Yeah. Um, and so you know between the radio and television side, and so that's and it was at Sate where. Uh, I managed to to catch you know the the big break with Sportsnet. Uh, just a, a woman that I was working with there in my second year, who was just filling in on someone f- on mat leave. So she was just there for the one year, and it happened to be my last year at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so her and I worked together. She was in charge of like getting us students that wanted to do. They used to do like they would webcast. I think they still do it. They would webcast live webcast like the varsity teams. Okay, yeah. So I think more, you know a lot of it was for you know families and stuff that lived outside that wanted yeah. to watch their their kids play sports, um, and so they needed people to come do commentary for it. And so I was like, yeah, like I, I'm in whatever you need. I you know hockey of course was my biggest interest, but I did volleyball, I did basketball stuff that was way out of my element. But I was like, bring it on. Like it just I'll take the sure. the opportunity. And so that's how she got familiar with my work. And and her dad at the time was was the news director at, at Sportsnet. Um and so she had been she had mentioned me to him. Um and I, and I don't know under what capacity my name got brought up, but it got to the point where, where he said, well, you know, why don't we see some of his work? Um, and so I had just been working on a demo reel because I was two months from graduation. Mm-hmm. And so I had already had been putting stuff together on, on that front. And I just thought, uh, man, if, if someone in his position, you know, just could provide some sort of feedback right. and, and some critiques, like how cool would that be? That would be, you know, incredible uh, knowledge to learn from. And... I, uh, and so he, he got back to me a few days later and, and, you know, said some good things, some stuff to work on and, and just asked, like, you know, I understand you're graduating in a few months. Like, do you have plans beyond that? And I said, no, like, I don't, like, I'm just in the process. I was sending out applications to places from Victoria, uh, to North Battleford, like just everywhere. Um, and so I think two days or one day after that, I got an email from from Scott Moore, who at the time was the the president of, of broadcasting for Rogers Media. I mean, I the name wasn't familiar to me just because again, I, I wasn't I wasn't privy to the inner workings of okay, who were the execs that ran the different networks? I knew sure. the commentators, the people on the air, yes, but the yeah. behind the scenes stuff was totally foreign to me. Um, and so anyway, he he said in the email that you know your your, your demo reel got got passed on to me and um, we would like to, to you know bring you out to Toronto for for an interview and, and an audition um, and again like I hadn't even graduated it's school right yet, college right? yeah that's so why I, I just even, I was yeah. like I just remember like the whole world kind of froze around me as I'm reading this because it just feels like so unbelievable and you're a sports guy like this would be the dream right right off the hop but you're told through the two years of school there, mm-hmm. like you're going to have to go to a small yep. town. You're going to have to put the work in. And I was fine with that. Sure. I'm like, absolutely. Like yep. you've got to go, um, make, Amherst, Nova make yourself. Or, yeah. yeah exactly. that, that's how it works. Yes. Like you can't just show up and go, I would like to work in Calgary now. Um, Hi, hockey night. Yeah. I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> right. Um, so, so I, I came out, uh, a few months later to Toronto and, and, you know, got to meet some people there. I did a little audition in, in the studio there. And, and I mean, talk about a nerve wracking night. Like I really don't remember much about the audition itself. It was kind of like a five minute, they bring you on camera, you go into highlights, you do baseball, you do hockey, you do basketball, and then kind of a little tag at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember much about it. Um, I just remember standing there in the control room waiting to, to go and, you know, you're nervous. You're so what year so is this? You're this, this is 2013. Okay. Uh, June 2013 and uh, and Scott Moore is in there and, and he's walking out of the control room and and as he walks by me he goes don't fuck it up and walked out and I'm like <laughs> like 
the wor- like the worst, <laughs> like the guy that could control my yeah. my destiny in in this in this uh, industry. Um, a- anything else, Scott? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, right. Sorry, what was that? Can you say that one more time. Uh, so I, I always get a chuckle thinking about that now. But um, I mean, maybe that was the best thing to just kind of just ease a bit of the tension sure, at the yeah. time because you're so wound up. But anyway, and then over the summer, I just kind of waited to hear, you know, were they going to hire me? What what was going to happen? Um, you know, we're ultimately just going to decide, hey, you know, the kid, I, I just turned 20 that summer. So when I went to Toronto the first time, I was still 19. <laughs> and so I wouldn't blame them for going, you know, hey, you know, the kid maybe has some potential, but he's still just too young. Like, Might I, be I, a little green. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was. Yeah. Um, and so, but, you know, at the end of August, they said, okay, you know, we want to move you out to Toronto. And so, yeah, October 1st, 2013 was my, my first day at Sportsnet. And I wasn't on air right away, of course, but just, you know, spent a lot of time in, in the newsroom there and, and over on the highlight side and, and learning how, how that side of it came together. And I would shadow different reporters like Sean McKenzie and Carolyn Cameron and Arash Madani about how they would go out and, and put stories together, mm-hmm. you know, covering a Leafs practice or, uh, whatever the case may be. And so... That kind of helped me get some reps. So, like, they would be filing a story, but like, I would do my own version just for the powers that be at at, at SN, just to kind of look at and, and give me some some pointers and do a little debrief afterwards. But it would never actually see the airwaves. Right. Um, so that went on for a few months, and and then you know January of the new year, twenty fourteen. Um, they finally had me go, you know, file my first report from from leaf practice, and um, you know, we're kind of off and, and running from there. Uh, so to say, so that that. That fall, that September, I, I moved to moved here to Ottawa. Uh, they moved some things around. Sean McKenzie was actually here in Ottawa at the time, yeah, yeah. as you know. And uh, then they moved him back to Toronto, and and I came here for two years. And um, and then in June 2016, I, I got a call, and at the time, Sportsnet had the regional package for the Montreal Canadiens. There was one year left, and they needed somebody to to host the games. And um, I got a phone call, and 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 was told that uh, you know, we'd like you to to host those. So. Um, you know, uprooted from Ottawa, I went to, to Montreal for, for two years, the one year doing the, the regional gig. And then after that season, I was asked, okay, you know, we'd like to, to have you be on, on the Leafs game on, on Saturdays on, on hockey night. And so that was a whole, that was probably, you know, I, I will say like, it seemed like right from day one at sports, like every year it was like, you look back, well, wow, like look at all the new things I got to do and, and how yeah. much I got to grow. Right. And it just, it all seemed to be gradually, um, coming so quickly, like a little more here, a little more there. Like I got to do some CHL broadcast, which was a great place to cut your teeth on. And then working with like RJ and, and Sam and the production team there was so great to understand how to prepare for a live event like that um, before getting a chance to do anything with the National Hockey League and, and Hockey Night in Canada. Um, but again, it just seemed like everything, every time I was was faced with like a, a new opportunity, a new challenge. Like it had, for the most part, like gone fairly well. Um, and then you know, I got the opportunity to to be you know the ringside host uh, for the for the Leaf games on on Saturdays. And and that was like, it was how a, old are you when that drops on you? That was uh, oh, so twenty eighteen. So I guess I'm twenty. Would have just turned twenty. F- Ooh, no, seventeen. So twenty four. I just turned twenty four. When that happened. And like, I, I look around, so I say this with all due respect, like I look around on hockey night and you're used to seeing Scott Oak, right? Who's kind of a polished, right? Well, he's been doing it for a long time. Slightly older gentleman, right? Yes. Like it's, it's, it's yeah, so but he, it, he still looks great. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and still very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. I'm, I remember like the first few times I, I saw you pop up going like, who's sick? 
Yes, like, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You called in sick. Times. When I first started sports, there were a lot of guys that thought I was like a like a college intern. Like they were like, right. oh, like so, how long are you here till? Right, right. Like so, hopefully for a while. Yeah, right. yeah. Which again, I don't blame them. No, no, uh, sure. So again, and that was like, I don't know. I think part of it was like internally, I, I kind of made it out like it like bigger than it needed to be. I mean, it was a big role, a yeah. big spot to be in. Don't get me wrong, um, but I think I just battled with some some internal kind of self-doubt and i remember like the first show we did like the first saturday that season the rangers were in toronto and it was like i, I was an absolute train wreck it was just like it was like i had never done a live show before and i remember like i i got on the plane to go back to montreal on sunday because uh, that's where i was still living at the time yeah. and i just like sat on my couch what felt like for like sunday afternoon and all of monday and just like alone with my thoughts thinking like what the heck happened yeah um so yeah it was it was a struggle through those kind of the first four months of that season where you're kind of thinking like, man, like, did they make a mistake here? Am I really ready for, for this spot? Um, and, and not till around probably March. So maybe like a, a month before the playoffs started that year, did I kind of start to finally feel comfortable and, and the belief kind of came right. back that no, I, I think I, 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 can, I, I can, yeah, I, yeah. I can, I can hang with these guys. Cause I think you come into this role, like you've got, you're on the show with Jim Houston and Craig Simpson yeah. and Ron McLean's thrown to you first at seven o'clock. Um, it's uh, it was it was a lot at the time, and, and maybe others would have been like, "Yep, bring it on, let's let's go, no no worries." Um, but I, I struggled with that at, at first, and just again having that self belief that that I could I could be part of that, and and not you know because you never want to you never want to be a detriment to the the show. You never want to let the show down, and you you just uh, you appreciate the the history that that Hockey Night in Canada has, and, and certainly of the the colleagues that that you work with, and how long they've been doing it, and the level they've been at for so long. Um, so anyway, the producer I worked with for a long time, Shirley Najak, who had been with Hockey Night for at least CBC like thirty years. Right. Um, I mean, him and I hit it off, and 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 we worked together primarily every Saturday. And so he's become he was such an incredible mentor, and um, he's just gone on now. He just does say, the, the he Olympic side. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. just he's the exec on the Olympic side now. Um, so I mean, miss him dearly. Yeah. Uh, working with him, but but still keep in touch, of course. But but he was an you know I, I'm not anywhere the level of a broadcaster that I, I am today, um, which is still to say, I've, I still feel there's so much more growth to have happen, but um, I, I don't, I, I don't get as, as comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. Um, if, if not for, for Shirelli Najak and, and the work that we've, you know, I, I was able to, to learn from him over the years. When you're going through school, if mm-hmm. someone says to you, like, what's your ultimate goal? What are you trying to do? Are you are you hosting like you're doing now? Is it more are, in your head? Do you see James Duthie, Ron McLean, right? That sort of in studio host. Are you still in your head thinking play by play? What are you hoping? Or are you just, I'm going to show up. I know I want to be a part of this industry and, and whatever happens, happens. No, I wanted to sit on the desk. Like, yeah. as I say, like it was Jay and Dan and, and Dan uh, right, right. Don Taylor. So you want to do highlights. I wanted to be on the desk is. reading highlights. Yeah. Like I said, like, you know, cause that's, that's what first got my interest. And, and so I thought that that's what I want to do. And so even like, I, like there was never, ever a thought about being part of hockey night in Canada. Like I thought <laughs> like that's, that's where the pros go. Right. Um, and and not to take anything away from uh, from from the other roles in in the business, no. but I just thought that was just so far and above anything I could be a part of. 
Um, so I, I, it was not on my radar and, and even the, the reporting side, like I remember when I was going through school, like it didn't really interest me. Like I was like, I'd rather just be in the studio, you know, sit on the desk, read highlights. Um, it just seemed like it, it spoke to me more. And I just fell into this, this gig now of being the ringside host and, and interviewing players. And, and um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do anything different at, at this stage. Maybe it'll change at some point down the line, but I, you know, I love being on the road. I love being in the building to see what happens, um, to be able to, to speak to people directly involved um that that stuff you know it's it's that's that's what gets the the juices flowing for me but you know back at the, the, my days in, in calgary going to school i never would have thought or, or considered um this would be what i ended up doing it was there you know if they had said to you uh, you know obviously when you showed up at school you wouldn't have thought as you're getting ready to graduate scott moore from sportsnet was calling and yeah. whatever but would you have you know Maybe I'll have to go host for the Moose Jaw Warriors or the Edmonton Eskimos or, you know, another the Jays. Like, are you, was that on your radar? Like, if it wasn't going to be hockey, what mm-hmm. would you have wanted to find yourself? Even if the ultimate goal was still to get to hockey, where would you have liked to have seen yourself or like been able to go? I, I think I could still succeed here in this spot or in this sport. Yeah, I think it was it was probably more so just thinking you know, where can I be like a, a sports reporter somewhere? Cause it, you know, again, there was the reality of where you're not likely your first gig out of school is going to be like a, a desk job, right? right? Like you're probably going to be in the field. Yep. So again, I remember I, I, I applied to a radio station in North Battleford to be like their, their sports anchor. Um, and like I did <laughs> my practicum. North Battleford sports news. Yeah. yeah. I, it was, Hey, it was a position. A hundred percent. It was yeah. a sports gig. Yep. Cause those are hard to come by. Yeah. I mean, they were then even more so now. See what the Excuse high school me. football team's up to and whatever it took from there. Yeah. Whatever it took. And I, I did my practicum at uh, the CTV shop on, on Vancouver Island in Victoria there. Mm. Um, and so even like I pictured, yeah, if there's one day I could work for like a, you know, a smaller, um, whether it be a global or a CTV or a city TV outfit in the sports department, mm-hmm. um, back when those were, were more a thing, a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That would have been a great place to to start. But even again, like I said, like whether it was radio, like I wasn't just thinking I need to be on television. Um, it was whatever had an opening right. that, that would, would hear me out. How do you get to Ottawa? You're, uh, you're living in Montreal. You're hosting Leaf games on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. How do you end up here? Well, uh, it was a combination just between, so, so my fiance at the time when she had just moved out with me here in Ottawa before... I got the call to move to Montreal. Okay. And uh, so just her, her line of, of work, she, she works in, in healthcare more on the data side mm-hmm. and coding. Um, and anyways, just in, in what she, uh, her, her line of work, it just, there was no path in Montreal to, to, to jobs there because she's not bilingual. Okay. Um, so it's I moved to Montreal. here in Ottawa, I can't imagine in Montreal. <laughs> right. And, and so, so she, she came with me initially, but there was just nothing. Yeah. Um, for her, unfortunately. So like she moved back to Alberta to keep working. Um, we remain doing things long, long distance. Yep. And so, uh, so that first year doing the regional game and then we lost the package. It went back to, to TSN, the, the Canadians regional mm, package right. did. Um, and so after that, that second year, I, I was asking about, you know, because they didn't have anyone in Ottawa. I said, Hey, like, is there any path to, to potentially moving back to Ottawa? I would allow my girlfriend and I to coexist together we could both live in the same city she could work i could still do what i'm doing 
but yeah, I you're going to Ottawa. Like way. I'm coming into Toronto yeah. anyways, and if I need to pop over to Montreal, if there's anything going on, I'm, I'm a two hour drive, mm-hmm. and so it was it was a better setup for for me personally because of you know my my situation with, with my girlfriend at the time, now fiance, um, and and thankfully they were very open to, to that and, and, and green lit it. And so, uh, yeah, we came back in the summer of, of 2018 and we've been here ever since. <laughs> Discovering all the local craft. Yes. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've been on a hunt. <laughs> um, I wouldn't expect you to name any names, but you, okay. you got where you were compared to some people pretty quickly. And it's not to suggest you didn't work hard to get that done and anything like that, but you know, you, you were pretty young to pop up in the spot that you did. Mm-hmm. You ever encounter any uh, resentment, what, you know, even real or imagined, like, do, is there a part of you ever that looks around and going, oh, that guy's been around longer than me, maybe would have expected to have that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a part of you at any point that goes, I didn't expect to get here this fast. And I know the guy beside me also did not expect I would get here this fast. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, I, and I've, I've been fortunate that that I've been around good people that, I mean, I've never felt that in terms of like resentment from others, I've never felt that directly, but I mean, you never know what's said behind your back when you're not around. Like, I I just, I I don't know. I can't speak to that. But in terms of the people who I deal with directly, um, I've, I've never felt that. And so, I mean, I've, I've always tried to be a a good person to, to work with and, and to be around, um, and, and maybe that's, that's played a role in, in getting some opportunities, you know, maybe quicker than, um, than, than, than others would, would well, typically I, do. And there's nothing wrong with, I, I know you're a humble guy, but just saying I, I got here because I'm pretty good at this, right? Like, but yeah, I but, get, you don't want no. to say that out loud. I, I understand that, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that maybe somebody else, you know, who's looking for that spot too, maybe isn't quite willing to say that, but I, I don't want to make this a thing. It was just a question, right? Yeah, no, not yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I guess, cause I, I cause, you know, looking ye- back, I think about, you know, again, when I first got the opportunity to work national hockey league games with the Montreal Canadians, was yeah. I, was I ready for that? I don't know. Probably not. Right. But I knew I was just going to work as hard as I could. And you know, there's somebody in Montreal who's whatever, 10 years older or whatever going, I, I've put in my time and, and some, it just doesn't work that way sometimes, right? Like it's right. And that's, that's out of my control, right? Of like course. I look at this, like I just answered the phone. Right. And so right. someone offers that to you. Like, what are you, you, you going to say? No, call someone more experienced. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm here. I'm ready. I'll take it. Yeah. 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 You just, you, you why s- wouldn't you be thankful and, and grateful for the opportunity and then, and then try to make the, the best of it. I mean, I, I did get, I remember my first got going in Toronto there and, and I worked in, in the highlight zone. I think you can kind of, I did, there's a few times you can kind of feel that like, well, like who is this guy? And right. Why is now he all of a sudden voicing highlights? Like where did he come from? Mm-hmm. And why is, why is he doing it over? And it, like, not directly, but you can, you know, when you just kind of have that feeling, right? Sure. Um, just by your environment and the body language and such. And, and I, I don't blame them like, again for, for feeling that way, but mm-hmm. you know, by and large, it was, you know, that, that group there was, was incredibly welcoming. There was good people that, uh, have worked there and continue to work there. I don't see very often just cause I'm not in, in the shop in, in Toronto. Right. Um, if at all over the course of the, the season. Um, but that was like the closest thing, but I mean, that's, that's minuscule, but yeah, yeah it's just, it's, it's tough because, you know, if, if you're getting an opportunity to go do something, it's because whoever was in that spot before is not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, you just you try to be someone that's 
respectful and and again I'm very appreciative and and grateful for for the opportunities I've I've been given um and and now I just I, I try to do the best to my my ability and, and the role that I'm in what do you think of a career path that somebody like a Steve Dangle took who went and, and got his education like so many others did in the broadcasting industry and sort of built his own name based on his his YouTube channel and mm-hmm. eventually his podcast and and has now worked himself into the mix on a you know a national with a national company like Sportsnet it's a different way of 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 making the journey and even now they're using him in an interesting way that's almost catered to the way he came up like on Saturday night um I'm sure most people who are listening to podcasts know this but you know, if if you don't want to watch the game on TV, you can jump on YouTube, watch the game on YouTube, and get Dangle's commentary, essentially, as the game is going on. Mm-hmm. It's a different way of, of doing it. You're still, you have the rights, you're, you're showing, but you're giving people an option on how they choose to view it. Do you think there's, is that the way we're ultimately going to go? What do you think of, of his path and, and you know, that side of the industry as it's sort of in this weird space now trying to figure out, you know, the difference between cord cutting and watching online and new versus old and, and all these sorts of things. How do you, how do you view a guy like that? First of all, you should just watch the regular TV broadcast of the Leafs. Not, not Dangle his, doesn't shut not, up not on his YouTube viewing party. And, no, no, I'm, Kyle kidding, talk. Of yeah, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I mean like how, how cool is that? I mean, you, you know, in, in this business, like it, no two people really have the same path. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, he was one of the first who built up his following, his value, mm-hmm. his brand, uh, through, his own means on, on YouTube because, mm-hmm. um, and he became someone that, that has value to a network like Sportsnet because you know, if you bring Steve Dangle in and you say, Stevie Angle is going to be watching the Leaf game with you on Saturdays, how many people that already have tuned into all of his rants over the years want to go, <laughs> I want to watch more of that. Like, <laughs> so you create value for, for yourself because, mm-hmm. um, you've, you've got a following with you. So I, I've got great respect and, and admiration, um, for, for what he does and, and what he's built, you know, you got the SDPN mm-hmm. on, on top of all of that. Like it just good, good on them for continuing. I mean, they've, they've earned everything that, that they've got. And, um, I think it's much more than just screaming into the camera about course, why yeah. Toronto continues to, to come up short in, in the All right. We don't need to go down that road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is right. Right. Exactly. Um, but, but, but he feels it. He, he connects with, with a certain part of the audience that, um, is consuming content more and more that way. Um, so, so good on him for, for taking advantage of that. And, and I think, you know, really being one of the first to, at least in Canada, I feel on the hockey side yeah. to, to turn it into, to what he's done. hundred percent built his own kind of path, built his own way of doing it. It's, it's been cool to watch. And, and I, th- I, I would imagine that at least some of the value is the people who don't like him. If you're a Canadians fan, if you're a Senators fan, I, people hate watch things, right? Like that's, right. A, I'm a leaf guy. I, I would, and there are times I hate watch dangle. <laughs> Stop telling me what we did wrong this time. Right. I still watch. Yeah. I'm still there. I, I respect what he's done, all that stuff. But like there are games I can't bring myself to watch the, the LFR. I, I don't want to, but you know, Hey, this was it just, Two, three weeks ago, the Sens beat the Leafs 6-2 on a, a Friday night. Mm-hmm. There were Sens fans watching the LFR that night, right? And and Absolutely. thus, you know, maybe willing to, maybe you were watching, 
that was a Friday night hockey night, I believe. Yes, so it was. if I'm a Sens fan and I'm particularly spiteful and, and those people are out there, maybe during the third period, I'm switching off the TV broadcast and watching Dangle suffer through this. It's there's value to be had like in Sens fans and all. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> My, my Twitter timeline was just a mess of that night, but, <laughs> right, but, but dude, just, what? you know, it, it, there's value t- to be brought from what he's doing from a number of different angles, right? Like it sounds like a, a rough thing to say, but people tune in and watch him suffer, right? Right. <laughs> it's, and that's, so it's part of the emotion of sport yeah. that opens that door. And I think he's a, got a thick skin and is a good sport of a lot of it too, 100%. right? Like he'll dish it out. He'll take it. He'll wear it when he knows that, um, He's he's in that spot that 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 people are going to pile on him. Um, I, I just think he he goes about it in, in such a way that uh, he manages to to almost let the like depressurize the situation and, and still even at the moments of of great emotion still find a way to to have fun with it. Hundred percent. And and he he was on the forefront of this at least as you've suggested on a, on the hockey front of of being a social media guy an internet guy. He's it's not good for you, but he's used to having people come at you, right? And, right. and angry comments or replies on the, and so he, he knows when to lean into it. We just saw again a week or two ago with Brad Marchand and him right. on Twitter. Like, I, I can't imagine when he started his YouTube channel in 2007, he envisioned that he would one day be in a tweet war with an NHL player, but no kidding. Things happen. Exactly. Right? Uh, I want to get into a couple of, of more current things with you, but before I do, can you just give me. I don't know maybe what comes to mind because you've had the opportunity to do some really cool stuff and, and, you know, whether it be hosting for the Habs and the Leafs, whether it's been Stanley cup finals, can you remember like the first time in your career where you kind of looked around and maybe you just, maybe you're one of those people who doesn't allow yourself to do it, but this is really cool, right? Like I'm standing here going, I'm sure the first night is always something, but that's more Mm -hmm. of a panic maybe than anything else. <laughs> right. Like it's just, just full of adrenaline. This. Yeah. Right. But is there a moment that you can think of where you're standing somewhere, whether it's an interview or an event or whatever it might be, and you just kind of have to stop for a second and go, ah, this is amazing. I, I'm so glad I got here. I'm so happy I made it to this point. Yeah. I, I it's certainly in the moment. Like I, I tend to not be in that that zone it's usually sh- a short while after that you kind of allow yourself to to reflect but like the first time you really felt that uh was i think that, like my first hockey night broadcast it was here in ottawa it was montreal versus ottawa the first saturday of the season of the the 16 17 year and so first time hockey night in canada bob cole's doing the game nice and gary galley was between the benches and so yeah. I go out, you know, we were, I was living in Montreal all the time. So we're staying at the Westin downtown, our crew was. And so go out to the, the rink for the skates in the morning, uh, get through that. And uh, the producer that night, Jeff Girdat, comes over to me and says, hey, will you be okay giving Bob a ride back to the hotel? And I'm like, sure. And so I had a rental car with me. And, uh, and so we get in the car. And I just met him for the first time that morning. Wow. And so we're driving back home. Everything is uh, happening. Well, that's what was going through my head. So we're, dri- we're driving back to the hotel, sorry. And so, you know, it's about a 20, 25 yeah. minute drive uh, from the Canadian Tire Center. And like, it was, again, we're mid-October. It was like a perfect fall day, like 12 <laughs> degrees, sun was out. But like, I'm going down the Queensway like white knuckling, like there's two feet of snow on the ground. Cause I'm like, I'm oh my transporting God. transporting a I've, national treasure. Exactly. 
exactly. And I can't let anything happen. But uh, but as we're going along, and I'm you know pulling off of the Nicholas exit, and he goes, Bob goes, uh, certainly know your way around this town, Kyle. This is great. And I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest day of my life. Um, and I said, oh, well, Bob, I lived here for Can you two- say that again into my phone? I'm right, right, exactly. <laughs> One more time. Um, I, you know, I lived here for a couple of years, so I, I you know, I, I managed to learn my way around the city. And so, anyway, and then even like getting back out to the rink that afternoon before the game, and I was sitting in the media room having a, a bite to eat before things got rolling. And, and he came in and, and he, I remember he asked, he asked me if I could, if he could sit next to me. And I'm like, Yes, it's yes, probably fine, Bob. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. think I, I think you're okay. And but it was really neat, like you know, going down. You know, he sat down. He had the rosters in front of us, and like we went through every name. Just wanted to make sure I understood the pronunciations, and we were on the same page there of of each player. Um, so that was a cool thing just to go through because you've got one of the greatest play by play guys of all time. Um, so just going through that game that week, actually, uh, Bob received the, the Order of Canada. So oh, wow. we did a little bit on that uh, during the broadcast, and, and he spoke about you know getting to meet, at the time, Governor General David Johnston and mm. how impressed he was meeting him. And uh, I just, that, that was just a, it was a, it was a really special night. And I remember the first intermission interview was Zach Smith of the Sens. And so I'm standing there, and, and he comes out uh, from the hallway where we're set up to do the walk-off interviews. And so they're putting the towel on him, and he's like, hey, congratulations. And I'm like, for what? He goes, oh, it's your first hockey night game. And I was like, wow. Like, it, <laughs> Can just, I have your it towel? Complete, it completely <laughs> caught me off guard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I would never, <laughs> never ask a player for their towel. Um, but that was just another one where I thought that was that was incredibly nice of, of him. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, whether it was Brian Morris or Chris Moore, kind of let him know what was what was right. going on. But still a, a very uh, kind thing to, to do. So just all of that involved. Like, I just remember... Finally, you know, driving back to the the hotel, I was by myself at that point. But driving back to the hotel that night, like just doing the drive down the the highway again, kind of thinking, like, wow, like I, I can't believe this is all this is all happening. Everything is happening. So, <laughs> so it was, you know, it was kind of neat. I mean, um, you know, I, I my first hockey night broadcast, I was I was with Bob Cole, and then I, I was also on the show of, of Bob's final wow. hockey night in Canada, Saturday night in, in Montreal in in twenty nineteen. So, um, two two. Nights I'll, I'll never forget amongst uh, a handful of others. What's he like to a young guy with you? Because he's been doing it forever. Yeah. I, I read his book not too long ago. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, he talks about being in Moscow for 72, right? He did the radio call. He did. Uh, people, uh, people don't always remember that. Obviously, Foster Hewitt has the famous sure. call of the, the Henderson Cole, but Bob Cole was over there doing radio. He's He's been around for a very long time. What's how, How's he treating a young guy like you? I, I have heard multiple people report that you... You don't sit in the front seat. If yes, uh, yes. If Ask Elliot Friedman. Yeah, about exactly. That. Yeah. If you're in, uh, if you're shot, you don't get shotgun when Bob Cole is is with you. But how is he to a, a young buck like yourself coming up? He was uh, more more than than kind. Like I, you know, I think he's he's he had his routines, of course, um, that he had been doing for for so long and and wanted to to stick to. But sure. um, I mean, it was it was nice a, a few times to be able to kind of sit and listen to him after a game, whether you know the hotel lobby bar or um, you know somewhere near nearby the arena of just um, having a having a drink and and just kind of decompressing after the the night. Um, yeah, he was he was very he was welcoming to me. Um, I mean, he's there's certainly like he, he of course sees the TV broadcast and the flow of it, you know, through a, a more traditional lens where you know during the play 
play-by-play guy talks, yes. and then when the whistle goes, then the color guy comes in and, and makes his point. But you know, just before the face-off, the play-by-play guy has it again to set up what's going on, and then continues with with the action. So, um, you know, for for someone you know in my role as as a ringside host, finding spots throughout the night to kind of pop in with with a story. Mm-hmm can be a bit of a challenge because <laughs> sometimes when you normally be like, all right, you're like, let's well, your we job do something didn't here. exist when he started. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it, that that's evolved over the years, but right. you know, but he wants to set up the power play, of course, sure. you know, coming out of a commercial break, which is more than fine to do. So, but again, it was never like, well, you know, I don't want so-and-so on the air. No. Um, he, it was just a, a different way of looking at how he felt that the broadcast should be done, and and certainly it's it's hard to argue with with what he what his vision was for for the show and that he was on just because of of his experience and and his background, of course. But um, no, I, I I always enjoyed being being around around him, um, and as I say, it was it was incredibly special to to kind of see the reception and, and just everything that, that came with, you know, that final game that, that he did and, and that farewell tour almost that he yeah. was on throughout that season. My co-host Rob and I on, uh, on our last episode, 1067, we talked about just happened to come up organically. The, the Leafs sends four playoff series there in the late nineties, early two thousands mm-hmm. and dropped a couple of, of Bob Cole and Harry Neal clips in there to supplement what we had been talking about. And the number of replies and mentions and stuff that we got after that was, that was just people saying, it was so cool to hear those guys in their prime, right. And the way they played off each other and just, weren't they something? It was, it was incredible. Right. And, and, and there's this one line, the Oh four game seven, when Neuendijk scores on Laleem one of two, mm-hmm. um, and Bob Cole kind of before he throws to Harry, he's like, oh, Lalim will want that one back. You don't get him back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're like, well, uh, yeah. that's true, Bob. Yes. Yeah. New and Dyke shoots again, scores, scores again. again. Exactly. We had that uh, one in there as well. There, I, my, one of my favorites of all time was from the NHL All-Star game back when they were doing the North America versus the world. Okay. And they dump it in. He's like, the world is changing. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Like, oh, is it ever, Bob? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Like>, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so He good. was something else. And to me, maybe... And Harry as, a, as well, so good, right? He had to the he had a great sense of the game and whatever, but also a sense of humor about different things. To me, maybe the their absolute peak was the O two Olympics, right? And the the Joe Sackick call yes. and uh, everything about that was maybe you know Bob still had the pipes to you know to be absolutely yeah. belting out everything and knowing he had the the whole nation with him as opposed to. You know, there were times. Stand up and cheer, Canada. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, uh, there were times, obviously, and I don't necessarily blame them, I guess, but Sens fans often felt in that rivalry like he was a Leaf guy, right? And that was because he was calling the Leafs every Saturday night on on the main broadcast. So I don't... And it went beyond that. Like, if you remember the... Who was it? Was it Bob Shirelli, the the mayor at the the time in in Ottawa here? Mm. I think, I don't know which year it was, maybe 2002? But he called for like the CBC to have a different <laughs> commentating crew do the Maple Leafs and Sens series. Like okay. they, they go, we don't feel that we should have Bob Cole and Harry Neal, two Toronto-based announcers. I remember towards it the was end. was a whole thing. Yeah, and Harry at that time was a Buffalo-based announcer for whatever that's worth to anybody. But right. um, I do remember, and this is just the absolute craziness that is Twitter and why I need to spend less time there. But towards the end of his career, when he was on that tour, Bob Cole... There was a guy in Sportsnet's replies who had said something along the lines of, always hated Bob Cole. He was always anti-Leafs. And you're like, 
oh no, but <laughs> like you have missed the mark somewhere. Right? But that's that's the thing. Like, there's always two sides to that. Of so course. like every week, like so Craig Simpson, who I've worked with for a number of years now, like he will show me tweets where like within like I'm not kidding you, Matt. Like within five minutes of each other, I'm where sure. someone's coming at him, going, "Oh my god," at Craig Simpson, like enough already. We right. know you love the Leafs, like. <laughs> Take your blue and white jersey off. And then five minutes later, somebody's like, Too okay, Craig, we get it. You're an Oiler guy. You hate Toronto. Like, just enough already. Like, you can't win. No. In a lot of cases, you can't win. Um, so I think, you know, certain people all, and as they, however they take in games, like, they want to hear what they want. They're going to hear what they want to hear. Yep. So I think I've always been over-opinionated on, on broadcasting. I grew up a nerd for that side of it, right? Yeah. The broadcast side. And I have guys who I like more than others, but I don't usually think they're against my team, right? right? And it's the same way I watch officials. I might think you're not very good. I don't think <laughs> you're out to get right. the Leafs, right? right. Like I, well, That's part of the emotion of it all. I guess, right? And it, it's sort of, I guess, if I'm being honest, like, it takes the fun out of it a little bit if you look at it rationally, right? right, <laughs> like, right. But, that's not what a sports it, fan no, is. No, you're supposed to be screaming and mad. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm still mad at the guy, but I think this referee blew the call. I don't think he set out tonight to say, I'm screwing the Leafs. I just think it was a bad, you know, like it, there's a difference between mm-hmm. disagreeing with someone and, and thinking they're actively out to hurt you. So, right. <laughs> um, right. Bob Cole, a legend, man. One of my favorites. We, uh, we used to talk about him all the time at the cottage. Everybody'd gather around and, you know, I can remember my dad telling me once when I was like 13, 14 years old and he'd be out, you know, maybe at the beer fridge looking for one of those Molson Canadians. And you could tell based on Bob's voice, oh, I need to get back now. Right. Right. Like that's. There was a different cadence when a chance was about to happen. And I read his book. He said like I had four, consciously, he would say I had four speeds that just was like one, like you said, was kind of in between whistles, setting up the power play, whatever it might be. Two was sort of the standard cadence. Three, ah, uh, they're coming through the neutral zone with speed, right. maybe, and then right. four, oh, it's right, troubles afoot. Right? That's right. <laughs> like something's that's right. happening. Now they're 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 right in on goal. Right. So, um, so I, yeah, and, and that's I mean the first part of my childhood was was Bob and and Harry. Yeah. And, uh, it was so good. Like I remember, like early in the pandemic when Sportsnet started re-airing like old right. classic hockey games and being able to listen to them for. Like I think I don't know one of them would have been you know the game seven of two thousand four between Toronto and Ottawa. Yep. And I remember it's a good game. Harry's talking over a highlight pack of Marion Hosa, and he said something. I think it was you know Marion Hosa, a guy that could uh, stick handle through raindrops in a thunderstorm. And I'm like, like nobody says that <laughs> no, anymore. There's no. no color analyst that said like he was just he was his own own breed. And yeah, they played so well off each other. Yeah. Well, in that same game. Uh, he says, I don't know how little he missed that one. He could have taken his glove off and caught it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I feel, anyway. I do understand why Ottawa fans maybe don't love Bob and Harry the same way Toronto fans do. But right. Because they were on the wrong end of yeah, all those that's series. That's that time in history. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so a couple, I guess a little more topical, a little more modern things we could touch on here before we do. I'll mention I've joined you on the, uh, the Nita front and, uh, moved into their light beer, which. Honestly, I, I was never able to follow through on the, the dry January, but the Nita Light <laughs> helped me keep like kind of a damp January, right? It just <laughs> maybe just a, just a little lighter, a moist January, whatever right, people right. want to call it. A bit of condensation so, built exactly, up on the windows. Exactly, but, uh, right? Just during yeah. the show only, and that just meant I podcasted more often. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's really what ends right. up happening. More of a humid January. Exactly, yes. right. So oh, um, well love Nita for that. Um, they've always been uh, good to the show, and, and their light beer, to me, it carries a little more malt 
than some. It still it still tastes like a beer as opposed mm. to what a lot of light beers do. So uh, to shout out to uh, to Andy Nita and and the crew over there again. But um, I wonder if you have. I find we're 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 working on new terms a lot more often than we ever have before. And okay. previous to the last couple of weeks, the newest one that 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 seemed to be creeping up a little non-COVID illness <laughs> a couple of years ago, that wasn't a thing, right? If it was, guy was sick or whatever, he missed the game. Now it's a non-COVID. We got to make sure it's not COVID. We got to make sure everybody knows that it's a non-COVID illness. But just in the last week or so, we have started to hear trade related reasons. Yes. And it, I guess it's a thing, right? Like, yeah, that's why that guy's sitting out. We expect to trade him, but it's not an injury. It's not a, what a, can you think of any other, you know, odd terms or, or whatever that you've been asked to, to describe? It, it just feels like they're creeping up on us a little more than they yeah. have in, in the past. Trade related reasons is, I don't know. Is this, is this one going to have staying power? Do you think? I think it, cause I mean, it could, you could really relate it to anything. Like yeah. it could be an injury, mm-hmm. right? Depending on the player's situation. It could be, right? Oh, yeah, well, we sure. think he could be we traded be somewhere traded. in the future, yeah. but he's hurt right now, so we're leaving him out. We're just Sometime in the hurt. future is the whole thing that you just said there that's, that's holding me up. Are right. they just going to sit Jacob Chikrin out until, like right. on Saturday, I assumed it must mean it's inevitable. Like within the next day or two, that guy's going to be traded. It's Wednesday night as we sit here now. He hasn't been traded. Will they just let him sit out until someone? Right. <laughs> like I remember though, Ottawa in 2019, when they, I think they were in New Jersey, and they sat out on the same game, Mark Stone, Ryan Dezengel, and Matt Duchesne, right? Because they were all going to be dealt. But I can't remember. That's always like the night before the deadline, though, right? Right, Not but a... it, wa- it wasn't in this case. Okay. Like, I think there was still right. a few days before. Yeah. Um, but, it, but that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, generally the... My understanding is like the league is okay. Like if it's if it's pending, it's about to happen, yeah. and you're holding him out because of it. Like yes, but if you're thinking of the idea of well, he's going to be held out for the next two weeks as we kind of get all our ducks in a row and finally yeah. come to an agreement. Like I think that now it's you're you're opening a different can of worms. Like what's the player association? Competitive balance and all, all of kind it. Of like on the Jeff Merrick show there on Wednesday, Fridge was on and and talking about he he's thinking about like Tampa. I guess in the next couple of days, getting ready to play Arizona, and he pointed as an example, like Toronto would be pissed if Chikrin doesn't play mm-hmm. Tampa, mm-hmm. and it goes across, uh, you know, across the board. If when Arizona is playing, uh, who L.A. or an Edmonton doesn't want, you know, it's not just a Toronto thing, obviously, but it affects competitive balance, right? Obviously, yep. Gavrikov is now mm-hmm. the new. <laughs> guy who's suddenly a superstar that everyone must have I guess but he's sitting out now too for trade related reasons yeah yeah so uh, I I don't know I, it, I it wonder where the line is in the last two or three days before yes. the deadline we're three weeks away still right like the Horvat trade happened the Tarasenko trade yeah. happened now it seems like everyone's okay what's the next domino to fall um, bubble wrap my guy and make sure he doesn't get hurt. Right, because you understand like the how much is at stake around these around these deals. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, making sure players are healthy, making sure they're available so transactions can be completed. Um, I yeah, I just I wonder where, like, where are we going with this? Like, where is the line where it's like, okay, this is too much? 
Like yeah. if you don't have a trade done by now, like this is no longer an option. If he's healthy, you can't you've sit play somebody him. out for three weeks, right? Like and I, I and I hopefully it doesn't. That's not what we're looking at here, and that's not what we're staring down the barrel of. Yeah. Um. But to your point, that was what Saturday night. Yeah. Uh. The note about Jacob Chikrin yep. trade related, and as you say, we're Wednesday night now. Um. I I just uh. Yeah, my my question is is at what point does do they say this is is too much? What's the threshold? What's yeah. the line of no return? I don't uh, know. I wonder what you think the uh the line of no return is on a guy like Ryan Reynolds who it was announced this week has um teamed up, I guess. We'll use the term with the a group called uh, the Remington Group in Toronto uh who is a a property development group who is interested in buying the senators. And by all accounts, there were upwards of 15 uh, organizations or companies, groups, whatever, interested in buying the senators. And there's that prime piece of real estate there at LeBreton Flats that anyone would be interested in getting involved in. But it sort of sounded for a while like, and, and Bettman almost fueled this by saying, we'd like Ryan Reynolds to be involved with whoever's going to get this, right? That mm-hmm. would be good for the league and good for the team. And there's no question it would to have a guy, an A-list guy like that, that would help bring some positive attention to the league. And now he's signed on clearly with one group. Did that surprise you at all? It did, yeah. just for those reasons, yeah. right? Like, especially now you hitch your wagon to a group. And it was interesting. Like, Elliot was on Tuesday on the Jeff Merrick's show, and his understanding was like the Remington group weren't necessarily a front runner right. at this stage. Now, of course, things can change in an instant. Sure. But um, I, I just, yeah, because it seemed like that was the path of, because he seemed like he was in the perfect position to just kind of wait it out. Wait it out. I'll be the front man for because whoever gets it. Who, right. And whoever that group may be, they who wouldn't him. be going, yes, we want Ryan Reynolds into yeah. the fold here. I, I just, I wonder, so what... What did the Remington group present to Ryan Reynolds yeah. that made him want to jump on at, at this stage of the process, right? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'd be really curious to know that what, what was there incentive-wise that um, left him hitching his wagon this early still in, in the Somebody knows the something, process. right? Like, yeah. there's a reason that he would decide, and obviously it... I'm sure it's probably a financial reason right. of some kind. Uh, and again, you, I don't I don't run in Ryan Reynolds circles. Right? You don't? <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry if um, you want to leave. That's right. That's right. I thought he was going to be here tonight <laughs> filling in for Claire Hanna. I'm done. Um, I, so I guess, I mean, you just think back though. Think about, like he goes on Jimmy Fallon, openly mm-hmm. says he's interested in buying the team, um, has done a couple public appearances after that. He Then the next night he's, in Ottawa here when Vancouver's yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, he has made Introduced no... publicly, yeah. Exactly. They show him on the video board. Yep. Everyone stands up and applauds. He's waving. He was like, like, the savior has come to town, right? <laughs> um, and it was really cool. It was. Uh, so, like, he's he's made no bones about his interest being involved here. And you think about his... Success. Like, did you have any idea who Wrexham was before this clue. all? No. Neither did I. No. And I, I mean, it's part of it because I'm not a diehard football fan. Like, right. I, I love Liverpool. I love following the Premier League, but that's kind of the extent of it um, in terms of club level. Um, but how many people now know about it because of all their success, um, because of the show, yep. because of his platform as Ryan Reynolds? 
Um, they so F1'd it, right? That Totally. That, that Netflix uh, drive to survive. It's turned it into a huge deal. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that, would be so, g- that would be huge for the Ottawa Senators. Like, no kidding. And so I would, you know, it certainly seems like the NHL feels, yes, this is, this is a must to have him in the fold here. This is the thing, to me, when Gary came out and said at whatever point, not long after that, that we'd like to have Ryan involved in whatever group might be. And, and it had that horribly uncomfortable moment where he, Gary Bettman used the term sugar mommy and sugar daddy. That yes. Was, that was awkward for everybody, I think. Right. It's different but, coming out of his mouth than Ryan sure. yeah. Um It was, he kind of said like, we want, it felt to me like Gary Bettman has never once been able to just just be cool man like just we have the the popular kid is sort of half hanging around right now we're like well whatever you want man like what what, stay at our party right 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 and it's sort of uh, that made sense to me and even in gary's uncomfortable way i was sort of like i get what you're doing here why don't you just sit back we're gonna go through the process you can throw a million or two in at the end You'll be the front man or the face of the ownership group. That will be awesome for the team and for the league. And it, yeah, it just seemed to come out of nowhere that he was like, yeah, nope, I'm part of this development group out of Toronto. I'm with that bid and no one else. Maybe that bid felt like you just said that maybe they weren't one of the front runners. And so maybe promising Ryan Reynolds a certain whatever they might have promised him to, to say, you only get him if you select us. I I don't know. It was it was odd to Maybe. me that it dropped out of nowhere. Like, Maybe uh, right. Like I think ultimately it comes down to like the why, right? Yeah, like why yeah. why he joined at this process, and, and we don't have that that answer. So um, I think you know where where this goes from here will ultimately tell us. Um, hopefully, get an understanding yeah. of of the timing of it, and and if ultimately it, it works out to to their benefit. What will you be doing on? Uh deadline day it's just a couple of weeks away do you know where they're gonna have you stationed yeah. well i'll to? actually be here yeah because it's it, trade like, deadlines on a friday this like year i can't see a studio i can't fridays uh, here are great <laughs> yes right yeah yeah um uh yeah if you'll have me back um, <laughs> about but I'll, I'll be be in ottawa okay and yeah i can't remember the last time the trade deadline was on a friday it, i don't you? know if it's ever been right it's weird for the longest time, I remember, like, I just, I don't remember it being on a Friday. Anyway, so I'll, I'll be here, and I believe Ottawa plays Columbus at home here the next night okay. on Saturday. So I'll be working that game. So Apparently the Gavrikovless be... Blue Jackets. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it, it better be after all this, holding them out for trade-related reasons. Um, so, uh, yes, I'll be in the nation's capital on March 3rd. What do you think, uh, you know, before we get you out of here, the Sens and the Leafs, We'll be looking to do um, the Sens, I believe, as we sit here right now, are seven points back. Mm-hmm. Sens fans would quickly remind me in my mentions that they have three games in hand on the Capitals, so maybe a little closer than it seems. Uh, I can't imagine that they're shopping, but I wouldn't necessarily blame them if they're uh, not selling, right? Like, I, if I'm them, I, I don't know that I would buy but I maybe wouldn't sell if I felt like I was still close to something. Right. Cause there's so much more going on here beyond, you know, mm-hmm. do we think we're in a position to make a last stash push for the playoffs or are we pending? I have one six or seven as we sit here. They're... Right. But beyond the hockey stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. We yeah. just talked about the pending Ownership, sale. Yeah. So management, coaching. Are, are they in a position right now where they want to take money on? I, I've heard not so much Probably the case. Not. Like it is a, it's got to be a neutral dollar in dollar out at this stage until things are, are finalized. So even the idea if they want to go the route of, can we 
grab some assets as being a broker to take on some some dead money to help another team out and mm-hmm. and get some some pieces um, as they've done in the past. Yep. I, I don't know if they're in that position this year. Um, you know, I, I like the the Cam Talbot situation. Um, Oh, Kevin Mandelizzi's here. He's got right. it covered. 46 right. saves. Are, right. Yeah. And I just, the problem is, <laughs> and unfortunately, through no fault of his own, he's been hurt a couple of times this year. So if you're yes. a team looking for some extra goaltending insurance, have you it's seen enough this sell. year? I mean, he's been around the league a long time. I don't know if you're just solely looking at this season as um, your only terms of, of evidence right. in terms of what he can bring to the the table um but when is he going to be back again and and you know we don't think we're going to see anton forsberg back this year unfortunately so you, you still need oh, guys to, to be knees at the same time that's brutal and monday seeing him in the morning trying to you know get out of the arena and just like the crutches and he's in you know, leg braces obviously on both legs that basically are going from his feet to his hips like he looks like he's on stilts yeah. so i can't imagine just how uncomfortable and the pain that's going in there i mean they have said doesn't don't believe that surgery is is required but man it just seems like it's going to be a, a long road back for him and, and hopefully it goes goes okay so we've heard austin Watson's name is out there right he was sure. he was scratched three games prior to uh, monday against calgary and my sense of it is uh, it shouldn't be a big surprise like neither side have talked contract extension there right. throughout this year. And I don't believe the player necessarily is like, I, I want out of here. Like, I think he, he, his family enjoys Ottawa. He sure. enjoys the, the group that he's with, but I think there is that feeling of, okay, if I'm not going to be played very often here down the stretch, then might as well, if there's a team that's got playoff aspirations, that's interested. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just the competitive in the player going, I just want to play. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder where that's going to end up. You know, a guy like Tyler Mott is an interesting, right? He was, He's got to have some value to a playoff. Totally. Yeah. I think he I think he was a good good fit there in, in New York. He was their deadline acquisition last year. That's right, yeah. With the Rangers and provide some some good depth. Like he's a you know really good penalty killer when he's healthy. Um, so I, I don't think any big, like Elliot Friedman's put out there that, that he believes that there, there's nearing a deal in place for Nikita Zaitsev. I just, I wonder if that, does that happen this deadline? I don't know, because I can't see a playoff-bound team no. going after somebody like that. Is that I more can, of something in the, the I summer? I guess if Ottawa was to retain... Well, how many years he got left? One left after this one? That was one of those Lou Lamorello deals. Yes. But, uh, yes. but I don't, as a seventh guy, as insurance, if he was going to be a right. UFA, would you be interested? It's a lot of Maybe, money. It is. It's 4.7, I think, something like that. 4.7. But Right. Uh, what about the Leafs? All right, let's get into Toronto. Yeah, as so I, we, yeah. Oh, sorry, right. no, no, no. I was going to set the table. You don't. Okay. Need, you're a pro. You know. Uh, no, no. I just <laughs> think we, we don't need. To, we we know where things stand here. We yeah, just yeah. Get right into things. Like what I keep thinking about, like where, I mean, maybe Kyle Dubas can work it where you can bring in an impact guy both at forward and and at defense. But I'm going go forth and bring me Timo Meyer. Right, but who will cripple us in the off season. <laughs> or do you treat him as a rental knowing that there's one more year of club control and at least you can... $10 million club control. Right. Or he's not even so much a rental that he's still an asset that you can flip after the year's yep. done if it's whatever. Or it's one not of those guys fit. is going to go. Him right. or one or of the big Or you feel four. we value him over guys we have in-house already. Could be, yeah. So I'm just trying to decide. Again, if it comes down to they have the option to bring in one impact guy. Like, do you go someone at forward to maybe play with Tavares and Marner in that top six? Or do you go, because here's the thing, like you can't, 
I was talking to Jonas Siegel about this with the Athletic last weekend. Yeah, like he, I know it's Tell him easily to get on forgot here, about it. Jonas. Sorry. Tell him to get on this podcast. We gotta, oh my I love gosh! Jonas, yeah. he, and he's he's such a smart mind and and, and a great guy to listen great to. Great laugh, everything. It's, totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> like you, I know it's sometimes forgot about because it happened so early on in the year. But like you can't lose a guy like Jake Muzzin mm-hmm. and not replace him, unless you can. Right. So, are, so are, Gavrikov to me, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I keep hearing it's going to be a. First, I heard it was going to be the David Savard uh, mm-hmm. deal. That's what they're looking. Was a first and a third, and then this week it came out. Oh, they're actually looking for a first, a third, and a fourth. I wasn't mm-hmm. doing the first and the third. And if he's supposed to be this big, imposing, physical, stay-at-home defenseman. He has less hits this year than both Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Liljegren. Now, I'm not suggesting either of those guys are big shutdown defensemen. Right. Who, but he's just a guy. You don't give up a first, a third, and a fourth, in my opinion, for Ladislav Gavrikov. I think he's a perfectly useful player. I, right. You'd be happy to have, but not at that price. That is insanity. For me, every, uh, what's it been? Since 2019, the Leafs, in every third period where they've had a chance to eliminate their opponent, they have mm-hmm. scored one third period goal across all those games. So you're talking about game six and game seven against Boston in 2019, game five against Columbus, games five, six, and seven against Montreal, and game six and seven, mm-hmm. I guess. Never more than, like, it's been one goal. If this is what you are, if you want to be the run and gun skill team, go get Timo Meyer because your life depends on it this year. Something's going to change in the offseason if you don't get it done. Take the biggest swing you can. If you make it a couple rounds, great. Problem solved. You'll figure out who's out the door in the offseason. If you don't, it's not going to matter because Dubas is going to be gone. And probably I wouldn't do that, but I assume MLSC board would do that right that's just where i'm at with it this blue line is what it is at this point i don't know who you're gonna go get like gavrikov to me isn't changing your fortunes jacob chikorin doesn't really fit what he's a left side guy it's not really what you're looking for i don't know i i sort of think this team needs despite what they're built on and what their reputation is needs one more scoring punch you can push yarn croak down a little bit right you can ryan o'reilly would be the other guy on my list, right? Who maybe mm-hmm. pushes David Camp, who I really like, but I like him more as a fourth line center based on what he does than as a third line center. Ryan O'Reilly can move into your top six if you need to. I, what am I talking? You the, you're the guy who knows people. You're around the league. You're watching this closer than I am. I'm the one sitting here talking, man. I, I just, what do you think they ought to do? That's the thing. Like I, I, like I hear both sides like some days I wake up and I think yeah maybe the forward's the right move and some days I'm thinking defense because I I will say like I, I you mentioned run and gun like I think that ship has sailed like I don't believe they're that 100 percent 100 percent like if you look at how they lost to Tampa last year it wasn't because they tried to skill their way out of trouble they played they lost the back-to-back Stanley Cup seven. champions yep. they made Andre Vasilevsky look human yep. which not many teams have done in the postseason and they came one goal short Yep, in game so seven. Timo Meyer maybe gets you that goal. Right. Like that's, if you're bringing that argument to me, I'm going, I, I can't argue against that Yeah, because that's the thing. Like there's, I thought, you know. But to your argument, Matthews Muzzin and, played very well in that series. And right. And you think about, again, the last four years, 
the Eastern Conference representative has come from the Atlantic Division, mm-hmm. right? Boston in 2019, Tampa the last three years after that. Yep. And the way things are shaping up, though nothing is guaranteed, <laughs> you I think you have to plan to have to go through both of them. Yep. So how do you do that? Like again, like you Not think about sure their you, you think about their both of their blue lines. I know like Ryan McDonough is not in the fold there any, anymore, but like Tam, uh, Chernak and, and Sergachev and mm-hmm. Hedman. Um, <laughs> Hedman's. And then you've got Carlo and Derek Forber, who looks like just nasty yeah. to play against. Hampus and even Charlie, like, Charlie, Charlie McAvoy. Right. McAvoy plays hard too. Like yep. he's another big body. I, I just think one thing I heard, there was a prominent player in, in, the, in the Eastern Conference who was quietly saying over All-Star, like, Leafs, very good team, still a little bit easy to play against. Hmm. So that's why I, again, I keep thinking about the Jake Muzzin replacement. Yeah. If we're expecting that he's not going to be back this year. Um, yeah. But at the same time, can you do that and still leave yourself enough room to bring in a Timo Meyer as someone that actually, that's not a Colin Blackwell Right, um, right. Who like it's someone that can help with your scoring punch because again, like if you look at their power play in the postseason, the last number of years has been around that fifteen percent mark, yeah. um, and like even you know Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, they were good against Tampa, like but neither of them took over the series. That is the counter, right? At some point, so if may- this team's going anywhere, they right. have to grab a series by the throat and say we are getting this done. And this maybe team- that's yeah the challenge that Kyle Dubas presents going. I've toughened up our back end. Now one of you guys need to take a series over. Like, is it Gavrikov though? Is that? I see. I, I don't know. Like again, you mentioned the David Savard type trade. Like, do you think Tampa regrets yeah, giving up what they don't. did for him? No, and they did it again with um, Brandon Hagel. Um, right. They've done Blake Coleman and well, Blake Coleman. Well, Blake Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau. Goudreau. Yeah. Like they gave up first, first round, round picks, picks in each of those deals. Yeah. And now so, those were different because they were. Both of those players were under control for a few more years. Hundred percent. But it wasn't they weren't a rental, but David Savard was, of course. At some point, you just gotta do it, right? And I, I and just go all in. I, I and if you I, believe and the problem is, you know, Toronto's draft capital has hasn't been super strong the last few years, and so there's no secret that I don't think there's a great desire for Toronto to give up their their first rounder coming up. No. Um so, but again, if you feel it, just feels yeah, like it just feels like in a vacuum, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do much this year. Knowing if I get by Tampa, which is going to be life and death to begin, I got Boston, who's gone all seventy six Habs on everybody. <laughs> right. I'm not blowing my brains out this year on that. But you don't really have a choice. You've lost six first rounds in a row. Dubas doesn't have a contract moving forward and Matthews and Nylander are ready to negotiate this off season. I don't think you get to look at it in a vacuum. You're going to have to go for it. And I think so. Like, because that's a tough sell to your players where uh-huh. you're going, I understand we're a good team guys. Like we're on pace to be kind of right around where we were last year, which is a, <laughs> what was a franchise record. 115 points. Yeah. We don't think we can get through both Tampa and Boston. So we don't want to sell the farm yeah. to end up just coming up short anyways. Like I, I don't know if you can, that, that, That's I don't no. think you can sell I that. I think you're going to have to do it, right? right? I don't have to tell you that. And when you look at like, the, people are talking about, would you trade Matthew Nyes? Looks like a really good prospect, but I've read a couple of articles from people I respect who said, some of his numbers are awfully comparable to Jimmy Vesey. Hmm. 
you just don't know, right? You just don't know. And so if that's the difference between, and again, I'm probably dreaming that they're ever going to be able to get Timo Meyer done, right? Like the devils will be in on that. They have more cap space, maybe a, an environment he's more interested in. Maybe Boston, maybe Carolina, Vegas suddenly has a ton of cap space. But that's a guy that you go, that's a game changer, right? That would change absolutely everything for the Leafs. And if you could get that done, mm-hmm. I, that top six is suddenly... Right, especially because like there's certain situations at the deadline where you're... You think about grabbing a big fish like a Timo Meyer, and you're kind of worried about what does what's the ripple effect in the room. Yeah, and it's not like there's a guy that's been playing on the second line yeah. all year that now okay now he's being bumped down, but he's going wait I've yeah I've got 25 goals this year. Why am I? Why is my role now lesser? Like right because you know it's been a revolving door on that left. Well, as side we sit here right now, the Leafs are getting ready to play the Blackhawks. Lineups before the game suggest it's Kerfoot yes. tonight. With and Tavares. it was Yarncrook for a while. It was Dennis Mulligan for a while. So Yarncrook tonight is down on the third line. To me, and I don't know. I don't know anything, Kyle. You know that. Neither do I. <laughs> I think Yarncrook playing tonight with Camp and Ingvall is, there's some doubt. Can Yarncrook do what he's been doing on the second line on the third line, or does he need to be with those other guys? Kerfoot, to me, is just a placeholder. They're looking to see what Yarncroak can do on the third line because if they make a big deal for a forward, Kerfoot's not the guy holding down that second line left wing spot, right? This is about right. Yarncroak tonight. They're looking at that again. And, right. And that makes sense to see me. what right? those three look like. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're always, that's always the great unknown when you're bringing someone from the outside in at this stage of the year, like how's the fit going to be? But as, as we've, yeah, discussed here. Like, it's not like you're going. Well, here's a guy that's played in that role all season. That's now going to be demoted, and what's the ripple effect going to be? Like, it seems like it's been a ongoing, yeah, saga all year of who is the right fit on that left side. And it doesn't feel like JT and Willie really work either, right? Like Matthews and Willie works, JT right. and Marner works. So could you just find somebody else on that? Uh, you know, but I, they go through, and at least it allows. Oh, yeah. They go through spurts where they are effective, and at least like they've gone back to. I think tonight is going to be Matthews and, and Nylander, yes. right? Tavares and Marner. I like so, that better, to be honest with you. Right, but if you're stale mm-hmm. at one point oh, halfway yeah. through, and Sheldon said it so many times, you can go back to it. Yep, or load them up for a shift and coming you know out of the penalty kill. They want to do it. It'll excite them, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it. That's the one thing I do like about how Sheldon runs the bench during the games. Like he's not afraid to just switch it up and as I say load up a line at a certain point on an icing or after a penalty kill just to try to jump a matchup or if he feels things are stale at least he's from the experimenting he's done over the course of the year he's got some other combos where he's going I've known this has worked in the past I like this we're one dead in the water Don't right like now tonight one. so we'll figure out two days from now when we get there but for the f- remaining 40 minutes of this game let's make a change and see if we can spark something like I, I, I do enjoy that so last thing for you then okay. you mentioned Sheldon Keefe mm-hmm. uh, we saw an article this week from a fairly prominent Toronto writer suggesting it's time to fire Sheldon Keefe I'm not sure what he's done in the last week or so that has anyway he's eight, got a I think if not the best top two all-time record in terms of regular season winning percentage amongst mm-hmm. Leafs head coaches, I have time for the argument that he's walked into a pretty good roster, but at the same time, I have a hard time looking at what's happened in the playoffs and suggesting Sheldon Keefe 
was the problem. But that does seem to be a persisting narrative. Now, that same article suggested that Bruce Boudreau should be his replacement. Bruce Boudreau, if you're demanding playoff success, is maybe not the guy. I love Bruce Boudreau, but not a shining playoff record either. What do you think of Sheldon Keefe? I can't imagine they're firing the coach now, right, this deep into the season with the playoffs on the horizon, all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Do you think Sheldon Keefe has been the problem historically and and if he's been a problem what does he need to to fix or, or work no out? i i mean well i i won't go down that road because i'm going who am i to say <laughs> there's a problem with you know the coach has a problem with how he does things yeah I, i'm i'm not in in that sphere i i just i try to watch and learn but i like to me you just look at how how does the team play in front of him like is there is there still life is there still motion um is there anything that suggests that the coach has, has lost the room and the message isn't getting through? Like, I, I don't feel that. Like, I know there's been this constant uh, theme the last couple of years of when the 30th and 31st ranked teams come into the building or they see them on the road, like the record isn't so <laughs> yeah. good, which is inexplicable because of how good the record is they, in general. Five, four, and three against the bottom eight this year. Yeah. Right? Arizona's and Montreal's and... Just bizarre. I've got... Chicago tonight. We'll see. Because Chicago tonight. They got Montreal on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Like another stretch where yeah. it, you could kind of and it is it's super that. frustrating, right? It's sure. as a fan. Maybe that's all it is. You're feeling helpless. Like something's got to change. That guy's the easiest. I guess. Yeah. I. I just. I don't know. When I. When I look at what's um, ailed them over the in, in the Sheldon Keefe era, like I, it's hard to look at at coaching his his style about but why it's why it's gone on as i say they've they become a much better defensive yes. team under him um there's been some great uh great strides offensively like austin matthews scored 60 goals last year william nylander's having a career year you know they've battled over the years well, player maybe, and coach and maybe my timing sucks because he's scratched tonight but justin hall has had a terrific yeah, yeah he's, he's he's well you think about that stretch when all those guys were out uh, he was seeing the most minutes mm -hmm. of, of anyone, him and Mark he, Giordano. And that $2 and million bucks for a right-handed defenseman, that guy did more than you could ask him to do. And sure. Last Saturday night was not a banner night for him, right? I think mm -hmm. he was on the ice for three against it, so he's going to sit tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to get Timmins a, a look, and, and that makes sense to me, I guess. But he's another win for Keith, right? He's a guy he's yeah. brought along. and. Uh, yeah, I, that that story you you mentioned a few minutes ago, that run and gun Leafs thing, it's not really a thing. That's an old narrative, right? Yeah, that they're I bad don't... defensively. They're not. No, they're, they're not. not. So I, I I I firmly believe that. So I I don't think it's a coaching issue, but of course, if if history repeats itself again this spring in the playoffs, then Everybody's I think all, all all bets are off. Yeah, hundred percent. Just I, don't. Yeah, I believe that too. And I we've talked about it on the show a few times before that. That makes me nervous because I'm not sure, and I'm more talking about Kyle Dubas now, I guess. I'm not sure what upgrade is out there, but I understand it's a winning business, right? And if you have six straight uh, first round exits with the money they're spending on this team, there's probably going to be change. Whether it's going to be for the better or not, I guess, is up for some debate. But uh, to me, uh, unless Julian Brisebois or Joe Sackick are suddenly lining up to, to want to come to Toronto... I'm not sure that you're absolutely going to do better. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes the circumstances are just against you, right? The cap doesn't move. We go through a global pandemic. You end up in a division where Boston just will not die. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Tampa uh, is what they are. 
Uh, and there's stuff coming behind you. Buffalo's taking a step this year. Ottawa eventually will do the same. Detroit's looking to turn the corner. I, they got to get something done, and or there will be change. But I'm not sure it'll be changed for the better. But I know it's all. It's just it's it's incredible. Yeah. Just the whole environment around pro sports, eh? And just the the sharks that surround mm-hmm. it, and looking for blood in the water. Um, it's what's what makes it great. It's what makes the emotion and the the irrationality of it all uh, so fun. But man, when you've got you say millions of dollars at stake for an organization like MLSE, yeah, um, it's it's hard to take the same results of coming up short over and over again. Well, I've seen you get one worded into the ground by Brad Marchand. I've seen <laughs> you have to interview a, a pig down in Carolina, um, <laughs> yeah. and I've seen uh, Charles Barkley have actually some pretty nice things to say about you on uh, national television. I hope this wasn't that much more painful than uh, than any of those. I appreciate you coming in and making some time, man, honestly. This was a joy, buddy. Like it was great uh, a- a- as it was and the, you know, the 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 frosty soldier to go with it was just a, a cherry on top. So this was great, man. Thanks for having me in. Hopefully uh, we can do this again down the road and uh, if not well, we got you once, right? We get to, right. We no, get, and I, I look forward to hopefully getting an invite back here. We get to come back down the down the line. Kyle Bukowskis from Hockey Night in Canada. And actually, I, I was arguing about this with my co-host the other night. Bukowskis or Bukowskis? Uh, Bukowskis. Okay. So I've yeah. been pushing so hard literally all no, night. Oh, gosh. It's, <laughs> I've heard way worse. Don't you worry. <laughs> Uh, don't forget, on Friday morning, AJ Jackiebeck will be back here. we got tons to talk about CFL free agency, the uh, Canada soccer thing that's going on and how they've treated the uh, the national women's team and uh, I got plenty to to ask AJ about his travels to Qatar and then uh, next Wednesday morning Arden Swelling from Sportsnet as uh, spring training will be in full swing for the Toronto Blue Jays lots of good stuff coming up on the podcast make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now and uh, give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio. Kyle, thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Thank you again for having me. With that, we're out of here. That is episode 1068 of Tall Can Audio. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next time. How was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?